Welcome to episode 18 of The Good, The Bad, and The Wretched. My name is Josh and from the video graveyard, and with me as always is Chris. How's it going? <laughs> it's going well. How are you? <laughs> Fine, if you didn't you... fucking do a robot right before we started. <laughs> I know. Well, I, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. So, um... <laughs> okay. Calm, calm, calm. Okay. okay. I'm ready. All right. So this this episode, we're going to be talking about post-apocalyptic movies yep. um, uh, in honor of the uh, latest Mad Max Fury Road uh, movie that just came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we, decide, we decided because that movie was so awesome that we th- we'd uh, take a look back at our favorite post-apocalyptic movies. That is correct, sir. And we're going to be, uh, well, we're going to be focusing a little more on wasteland type movies. It's not going to be kind of across the board, but we'll get into more into specifics when we start the actual topic. Yeah, for sure. Because it was, uh, it is quite a broad range if you don't narrow it down. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, um, but before we get to that, uh, as always, <laughs> uh, we'll just talk about what we've been up to lately. So, um, I don't know. Do you want me to start or do you want to go ahead? I've got nothing, so I could start. <laughs> All right. I really haven't had anything going on because I was on vacation and I was outdoors enjoying the sunshine. Oh. The unusually sunny weather out up here in BC. And, uh, you know, there's no such thing as global warming. Honest. <laughs> but uh, I I finished watching season one of Entourage. I'd like to trick you and say that I'm watching it to prepare myself for the movie. But I simply just watched it because you happened to have a duplicate copy of it and gave it to me. Yeah. And said, you would probably like this show. Well, and realistically, I mean, I'm in, I'm in, I think I've watched three or four seasons, but I'll never get through them all before yeah. the movie. I, I actually just, season one's only eight episodes, so it didn't take me that long to get through. But uh, I'll tell you, uh, Jeremy Piven's the best thing in it. Yeah, he's, he's pretty great. Ari Gold, the prick prick manager yeah so awesome telling everyone hug it out bitch <laughs> yeah all the time and uh like i said recently on social media anytime there's a tv show that has a strip club where they walk in and they're playing twist the cane by danzig <laughs> and there's girls jiggling about to it wow yeah just wow no it's pretty cool i mean i you know i mean in some ways you can see the guys as being kind of douchey but um i think overall i think it's a, just a fun show and you know, I don't, I, I I kind of enjoy it. It's quick, short, quick, like twenty minute episodes. Yeah, like twenty five minutes an yeah. episode or so. And it's, I don't know where it's going to go because it probably gets better as it goes along. Yeah, it's it's got its ups and downs. I mean, I like I said, I've I've just finished season four. Or I'm in season four right now, and uh, season three was quite long. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, they're usually ten episode seasons. And have you got to Billy Walsh yet? He was in one of the last episodes of season one. Yeah, he's yeah. by far my favorite character on yeah, the show. Yeah, uh, it was the when he goes to meet him about making the movie about New York, and then he rewrites it. Yeah, he's like, "I'm going to make you into a macho guy," but then he has him like sucking some guy's dick, <laughs> and the guy's like, "How does that make me macho?" He's like, "Well, you know, you got to go with it. You know, you're just so you're so into your manliness that you you're willing to do that and still be manly." <laughs> he just has all these insane explanations for everything, and then he's always like. His his apartment's always filled with like half naked girls and like yeah he just seems to be high all the time and everything it's, it's pretty funny who's the actor who plays him I I can't remember the guy's name because he's pretty funny but there's a lot of cameos in that show too because yeah. Scarlett Johansson was in the first season and Jessica Alba and Larry David and all these guys so it's kind of cool 
to see all these people show up. And former Seduction Cinema star Julian Wells makes an appearance in one of the episodes, too. Is she? What season? It's it's either in near the end of the first season or it's in the second season. It must be in the second because yeah. I don't remember seeing her. Vince has sex with her. Hmm. Well, yeah. that doesn't narrow it down for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, that's I watched that. And the only other thing I wanted to talk about was... Um, Last time we recorded, you and I watched a movie together. We actually yep. watched a documentary together, and it's called Adjust Your Tracking, and it's directed by uh, Don M. Kinnam. Dan Kinnam. Dan Kinnam and uh, Levi Peretic, I believe it's pronounced. And this is a, basically a documentary about collecting. Yeah. M- mostly VHS collecting, which is a w- kind of like a vinyl thing. It's making that resurgence now yeah. where people are snapping up these VHS tapes and getting these obscure titles and they're going for a pretty good amount of money. Some of them. And well, I haven't sold any of my VHS for well, the kind of money they're talking about. But well, maybe you're not going through the right channels there. Well, it's also because I'm dealing with Canada post and have to add $20 onto every item. That's true. Cause Canada <laughs> post is the biggest joke in the world. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's cool because we're collectors ourselves and I didn't particularly care about it being about VHS and like how much money the movies bring in. I more cared about how it was insight into these collectors and it was kind of like how they were obsessed with being collectors and finding these rare titles and everything because it's the exact same thing we've done in the past. Yeah. And it really inspired me to want to go and dig into thrift stores. Yeah. Because you and I, we do sometimes attack thrift stores, local thrift stores and try and find those like hidden gems on like DVDs and stuff like that. And we yeah. usually don't come out on top. I mean, I used to all the time, right? I mean, but I, I don't know what's up with Vancouver. I think it's partially to do with just the thrift store management maybe here. But I do Could find be. when I'm going to thrift stores in Vancouver, it's pretty rare that I come across anything like these guys are finding. I think a lot of the stuff here is just thrown in the garbage, unfortunately. Um, but I think in the States, I still think there's a lot of like, you know, flea markets and things like that and um where where the stuff is still around also find the flea markets out in this area they jack their prices up way too high also which doesn't make it easy to buy stuff that you're looking to collect when people are asking way too much money for something no Uh, i mean the best stuff i find on vhs anymore is like mid 90s action movies yeah but um, rarely do I find, rarely do I see the Vestron video logo on the side of, on the spine of anything in a thin thrift store here. I think the last decent score I had with you was when I got that um, Anchor Bay box set of the Spaghetti Oh, Westerns that was a good one, yeah. With uh, Kioma and uh, what else was in that? <laughs> Django was in that? Yeah, there's some good stuff in that box set. That oh, was that Fulci one, Four of the Apocalypse? Yeah, yeah, that was the last good score that I got there because I think it was only like that was a eight dollars for yeah. five movies. Yeah, that was awesome. So that was the best score I can think of lately that I've gotten there. But it, you're right; around here, it's not really. There's not a lot of quality, but I still like doing it. And that's yeah. what the movie was about: was about being a collector and being into movies and and finding all these things. And kind of gave me a kind of a sort of maybe not feel as bad about being such a nerd in no. that sense because. These guys out there are a lot worse off than me, I think. Like, remember that dude who had, like, a video store? Yeah. That he set up he in had... his basement to look like a video store, and he had a working old-school computer and everything. And So do you think he was actually renting movies out to friends? Or... I would like to think he wasn't, and <laughs> really? that he was just doing it because he's a little bit obsessive and weird. 
But I mean, it's kind of cool if pe- if people are borrowing them and they're yeah. Like if that doing... was the case, I'm, it would be kind of cool. But, yeah, if, but if he was just doing it, I don't know. I think, kind of think it's pretty weird. If... Well, yeah. anyway, teach their own. I mean, that's taking better. that's taking collecting to a, a new degree. Yeah, I thought I was bad. The fact that I have everything alphabetized and like grouped. Yeah, by TB sets and you know different packaging and yeah, I used to have everything grouped sets by uh, company. See, I didn't do that. Yeah. That's pretty... That's more obsessive than even me, I think. Yeah, like I used to have... Like on DVD, I used to have all my Anchor Bay together, all my oh, Blue see, Underground. Yeah. There are... I, that is a common thing. Yeah. I just like to have them alphabetical. The only difference with me would be I keep series together. So yeah. if you have a movie where, say, the third part's got a different title in front of it, like, say, for Texas Chainsaw, part three is called Leatherface. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Yeah. I'm not going to put it in T in, in L for Leatherface. I'm going to put it after Texas Chainsaw 2. Totally. I like to keep the series together. Yeah. But everything else I keep alphabetized. This is a weird, weird thing to talk about right now. Yeah. So, ladies, if you want to get in touch yeah. with us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to come see my, my sweet room of alphabetized Blu-rays and DVDs <laughs> with a bunch of Funko Pop figures in front so you can't really see what I own. Uh, and if you can get by my girlfriend, which might not happen, I'm available for you to nerd out on. Yeah. Not really. But yeah, no. Yeah. That's my... We're hugely appealing, aren't we? Yeah. Our Twitter account's going to explode after this. <laughs> Fuck Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> Josh and Chris. NERDs. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, I can certainly relate to a lot of the guys in that movie. Yeah, there was like most of them are down earth guys who are just into finding stuff and collecting. I mean, there's that one kind of weird guy. Yeah, he was into like the there's really violent Texas guy who had like I have a section where I put all the really extreme stuff like necromantic and all this. I'm like, I'm not. I wouldn't be particularly fucking proud that I've got a shelf of the most vile, repellent shit on the face of this planet. Yeah, like I've never been a fan of that. But that's the stuff that really goes. I think in the collector circles. I was thinking about like what's the probably the most like outrageous kind of movie like that I own it's probably Martyrs for me right but I don't go out of my way to actually buy those kind of things because I find a lot of them to be incredibly boring yeah and I think like as far as the like collectability stuff that those guys were talking about a lot of the stuff I have that I think would be collectible would be a lot of the stuff that came out from like um, you know Salt City Home Video back in the early 90s like the Tim Ritter stuff and the the gore trilogy the hugh gallagher gore trilogy and um, lunch meat yeah i've got yeah that's a little older but yeah i think it's that shot on video stuff and yeah i'd like to do an episode about that one day Yeah, we've been talking about doing a shot on video episode in the future but it's just it made me not feel so alone no definitely (laughs) not definitely not but um yeah and then uh dan canham i i I had a brief interaction with him um because we did a trade because i'm i'm part of all those VHS. What was the trade? Tell us. I can't... I think I got, like, the Carpenter, and I got some documentary on, like, skinhead punk rock from him, and um, I traded him Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers and... What the hell was it? Oh, this horror rock compilation. It's, oh, like, okay. all these, like... It was it's terrible. Terrible. But didn't you say you were... But it's very... Didn't like, you say you kind of regret giving up horror rock? Well, it's one of those ones that, like, we again, when you're watching, like, a... a a movie about D, uh, VHS collecting, it was pretty rare and pretty bizarre. Like yeah. it had all this weird, like nineties, like video editing stuff. And it, 
you, I wasn't sure a lot of the videos were actually rock videos. That and, would kind of be like that Splatter the Architects of Fear one. Oh, yeah. Before it came out on DVD. Yeah. I remember that being one of those ones where you'd see it in the video store. You'd be like wondering what the hell it was. Yeah. And then you'd take it home and you wouldn't get a clear answer about what it was. Either, I'm going to be talking about that episode that, uh, well, later that's on. That's kind of post-apocalyptic, there isn't is some, it? There's some mutants. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll talk about it later We're not going to talk there. about it too much, but we can talk about it later you for sure. You got anything else to add about uh, Adjust Your Tracking? Well, just uh, I just wanted to mention that um, there is some really cool Facebook groups if you're interested in mm-hmm. in VHS collecting. The, the one they talk about in the movie is called Horror, VH, uh, Horror VHS Collectors Unite. And... Um, so, like, a lot of the guys that are in the documentary are in that group, and it's a great resource to find, you know, cool VHS. And if you're interested at all, you can join that Facebook group, and there's all kinds of postings about it, and you can see all kinds of cool box art. And if you're interested in trading or buying something, there's, there's all kinds of stuff there. There's a couple other ones, too. There's horror VHS collectors uh, group. There's a horror VHS trading group. But um, that's that's how I got that trade going. Mm-hmm. So I actually knew a lot of the names that we saw in the movie from that group. Yeah, and there's there's other groups out there. If you're not quite into the VHS, there's also DVD and Blu-ray groups out there too. Yeah, and I've I have bought a few things from guys, and everyone seems to be above board on everything. They're not a lot of guys. Like I've heard people try to rip you off sometimes, but they I've do. not I've not seen it myself. Yeah. But that's mainly because I'm very picky about what I'm buying. So Yeah, and I mean the problem again as a Canadian, yep. it's very hard to like hook up a trade because you know this the guys a lot of people the, don't want to ship to us either. Yeah, and if they do ship, they're still getting it for cheap. But you know, it, it literally costs between fifteen and twenty dollars for us to ship a tape somewhere. Yeah. Never mind the packaging. Yeah. Um so it's it's unfortunate that we're you know, I I think I'd be way more into it if I lived in the States. I'm probably on agreement with you there. Just like I'd be more likely to buy up titles from companies like Vinegar Syndrome and stuff where I don't have to pay like $12 US to get stuff shipped to me. Yeah, for sure. So that's another rant completely. Yeah, anyway, it's a a really fun documentary and I'd recommend it. I enjoyed it it quite a bit. There's another one out there called, uh, what's the other one called? Rewind This. Rewind This, which we haven't seen yet, but that's along the similar lines. But I think that one talks more to people who are, considered professionals like filmmakers and things like that right yeah and i really like this one because it's very grassroots and i remember you know reading about him when he was like actually making it and traveling around the country making this movie so it's kind of cool that it it was a pretty enjoyable watch i had i I, I liked it and i I think i give them full kudos for actually taking their love for collecting something and and making something out of it and making this documentary and shining a light on these kind of guys who, you know, might not get this kind of, you know, trading is a very niche. Yeah. Very introverted in a way kind of thing, because I still get weird looks from people when I tell them I'm into horror movies at my age. Right. So it's kind of like it's outside of society's norms, but to me it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that's why I liked that it kind of shone a, shined a light on these people and said, hey, there are a lot of people like you out there. You're just not seeing them around you as much as, as you think you are. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's the main thing I got out of it. And it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's all I got. All right. Well, um, okay. Should I, gotta... I, should I do my robot now? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Well, let's talk about that guy. <laughs> all okay, right. So tell, yeah. us, tell, tell people why the robot is setting us off today. 
All right. So the other day I saw a post on Facebook and um, it was about um, these gummy bears called Haribo gummy bears. And there's you can buy a five pound bag of these Haribo gummy bears. And you can quickly go into a diabetic coma. Yeah. So if you look up these Haribo gummy bears on Amazon, there's all these like crazy reviews about people who were like having like major diarrhea and like it's it's pretty hilarious like one of the ones talks about this this i I can't remember don't know if it was a girl or guy but anyway this person made this popcorn covered in like melted gum these (laughs) melted gummy bears melted down and then she fed it to this boss that she hated anyway one thing led to another because she like ended up like locking the bathroom door or like putting a do not disturb sign in the bathroom and then then there was a shit tornado and then he ended up shitting in her uh oops i damn i swore um who cares taking a dump in her shred shredding <laughs> anyway it's pretty hilarious and this was just one of the reviews so i started reading these reviews how many of these do you think are made up though i'm sure a lot of them are like it's almost like this weird thing but like yeah. they're all pretty funny like there's all, <laughs> all these reviews about these gummy bears it's just pretty bizarre anyway i googled the gummy bears after and i came across this video of this guy named the la beast oh yeah who chat had a challenge where he would eat the entire <laughs> five pound bag of these gummy bears in one sitting jesus so i <laughs> these are the things i do when i'm home alone um so i watched ladies he's single <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I'm not that guy. Anyway, he no, this no, he he's it's pretty he's a pretty entertaining guy. Like pretty much right away I was transfixed by watching this and he just watching him dump out this five pound bag on this big platter and just start eating them and he had a timer going and he was just getting sicker and sicker <laughs> and then he barfed and then he and then it like shows like you know two hours later and then he just goes and takes the biggest dump ever (laughs) anyway i know it doesn't sound very appealing but it was a pretty fascinating the guy's super entertaining i have never even heard of this until just (laughs) this afternoon before we started recording and i was made to watch him chug a gallon of tabasco (laughs) sauce and then proceed to vomit the most bright red stuff I've ever seen in my life. And the reason we're talking about robots is because in the middle of drinking this Tabasco sauce, yeah. when he's like, oh, God, everything's burning. Oh, I'm going to die. He does robots. Yeah. Just to calm himself down, he does the robot. And I'm just like, and I'm like, what's he doing? And Josh's like, oh, he does this in all these videos. He does the robot all the time. Not that I've watched too many of them, but I you have. You said you've watched about eight or nine. I've watched a, I watched a bunch. I've watched a few every night because I just, he's pretty entertaining. And uh, yeah, and he keeps doing the robot. And <laughs> it's pretty impressive watching him do this stuff. And I guess as a fan of like jackass. Yeah. We don't have that stuff anymore. Ever since Ryan Dunn died, there has been none of that anymore. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing to admit that I really like Jackass yeah. too. I'm, I, I understand why people hate Jackass. Yeah, and I think I like Jackass simply because I would never do that stuff. Well, that's the thing, so right? To see other people be idiots is entertaining to me. So watching this guy who's like created, like he has like a million YouTube followers or something, and he's like created this like little like industry of 
doing all these like weird food challenges and you know i watched man versus food when it was on tv once in a while and i've always kind of had a fascination with competitive eating not yeah. that i could do it myself but i've always thought it was just a really kind of weird subculture well, it's a weird really thing weird to, thing be, to a, do. be a specialist in yeah yeah and then like so one of the, actually one of the episodes i watched was him him against this competitive eater named i think her name is like mickey cato or something kind of hot hot girl and she's like this like little asian girl and they have a challenge where they was she the hot dog eating champion she is a hot she yeah i know i've heard of her i don't know if she's number one but she she seemed like a really cool girl i've heard of her but it was the two of them on this video yeah and they each had uh something like a gallon of beer and um a big thing of wasabi and a whole um a whole package of cinnamon and there was oh, some Jesus. other item, and they had to. They were challenging each the other. Cinnamon itself is bad it was idea. Pretty, it was pretty impressive, but yeah, I just find it quite fascinating. So, anyway, if you have any interest at all in either jackass or competitive eating, I would recommend looking up this guy on YouTube because he's pretty entertaining. Yeah, we watched we watched <laughs> the Tabasco sauce, and then we watched him eat six thousand year old preserved duck eggs, and they were. <laughs> They were pretty amusing, I've got to admit. I probably will go home and watch a couple yeah, more. Yeah, totally, right? Like, I've been watching a few every night. And I've been going to bed nauseous every night. But <laughs> <laughs> I just like the robot. I think the robot the was pretty thing. funny, yeah. So anyway, it's, it's if you look up L.A. Beast on YouTube, you should come up with him. And uh, I, I just wanted to give a shout-out to this guy because it's, it's pretty entertaining and pretty funny. So um, that's that. And actually, the same night, I am... Um, <laughs> What now? For some reason, oh, I decided to watch the safety dance video by Men Without Hats. Do you remember this video? Yeah, with the little uh, small person, <laughs> the little in the person. jester hat. Yeah, and then that crazy girl. Yeah, who's just like spinning around like she's like <laughs> being possessed by aliens or some she's shit. She's totally crazy, she's right? She's like super high or something. I don't know what was up with her. And then the guy, the singer of Men Without Hats, yep. he's kind of does these weird moves too. Well, and it's a safety dance, Holmes. I know, but what is the safety dance? Like, it's were they, like voguing before voguing. Were they, did, did it actually work like did people actually do that in clubs i have no idea man i wasn't a club kid anyway so i decided to when that song came out i'm pretty sure i wasn't in clubs so i decided to figure out find out whatever happened to the blonde girl from the safety test oh jesus (laughs) you went on a tangent so yeah i did so anyway i I, I hate when that happens like okay (laughs) not to interrupt you but i have to you ever have one of those nights where you're like sitting at home and you know you're you're by yourself and you're like i really think i'm gonna watch a movie tonight but then you get caught up watching something on youtube like a music video or you're looking up something on imdb or wikipedia or something and then it sets you off on this fucking tangent and you end up so far away from where you began and it's an hour and a half later and you're like what the hell yeah i gotta go to bed now right (laughs) god well this happened to be that internet Anyway, I did I did some Google searching and I found out what happened to her. I would like to know. And it turns out she's yeah she's become a managing editor of Vogue magazine. Really, and of that's pe- and that dance is kind of like Vogue. And there's a ooh, yeah. Huh. Anyway, there's a picture of her doing the uh, safety doing dance? the safety dance pose and uh, yeah. Anyway, I just I remember really liking that video when I was young and it's just and there's this like, cute little dog in it. Like whatever happened to the dog? Now, the dog's dead, dude. Oh come on, man! I hate it when people. It's yeah. 33 years later. There's no dog that's going to be alive i know he was so happy and cute though well then you just remember him being happy and cute 
<laughs> anyway, I liked the video when I was young, but it's a pretty unique video for the time. There was a lot of There was no band. It was videos. just the singer of the band. Yeah, there was a lot of strange videos yeah. in the early oh, 80s. It totally so, was. Like Whip It by Devo. Is that a... Yeah, I don't... I never liked that That's song. a weird yeah, video, though. Yeah. Because just the band playing on a homestead. Oh, while, yeah, like, yeah. While, like, a guy whips cigarettes out of girls' mouths and the guys and the girls, like, making a big bowl of cream. And it just makes no sense. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre. Yeah. But I was talking, to, actually, to my girlfriend about Men Without Hats not that long ago because we were trying to figure out if they were just a one-hit wonder in the States because in Canada they weren't. No. Because they also had that song, Pop Goes the World. A couple of years dun, 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 dun. later. And I know that was a hit song up here. And Sideways. I don't remember that one. That was, that was, they, they tried to have it like a more of a harder edge. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I was just, we were trying to figure out if maybe they were, they're considered one hit wonders because only Safety Dance was a hit south of Canada. Was it even a hit outside of Canada? I think it was. Was it? Yeah. I think so. But it's funny how Men Without Hats are still around in our lives 30-some years later that we still think about them. They, they are. must have been doing something right. Ivan and the boys. <laughs> Ivan and the boys. Kopech rock. Oh. <laughs> so was that was that girl just like someone they hired to dance in the video then? I, I couldn't get the story about the video. Like, did they see her fucking audition tape of her acting <laughs> like she was like high on heroin and be like, that's the girl! I know. She is like bonkers in that video too. Like, she is just... All over the place. I like just the fact that they had that part where she goes, where the guy's like, we can dance. And she's like, and sing. And she's like spinning around like a fucking oh, wait, moron. I think it might be, uh, what's what's dance in French? Danser or Danse. something. It might be we can dance. Danser. I thought she said and sing. I don't know. See, that was another thing I found out on YouTube. Oh, there was an argument about that. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to get in the middle of a YouTube argument you know, here. It is. He's important. Because I'll probably get called names if I get in the middle of a YouTube argument. Yeah, I don't like getting an argument. you know, so. everyone's so polite on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, okay, what else have we been doing? Okay, I um, watched for uh, Pick Your Brain on... Um, on Video Graveyard. Um, we had Which our... you guys need to vote on, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one's voted this time. So, uh, yeah, you guys need to go over there and please vote. Yeah, help us out. But uh, what we do is we put up three titles each month yep. and have the readers um, of our website, <laughs> the thousands of them. Um, <laughs> there I go, self-deprecating again. Stop being so self-deprecating. <laughs> well, we've been doing it so long. I know there is readers, at least, just yes. like there's listeners to this podcast. Yes. Um, so... What happened? Okay, yeah. So they go over to the website, and then you can vote on what re- movie we'll review. Yeah, we pick each one of us alternates yeah. by month. We pick three titles that we're in- interested in watching, and then we give the power to the readers to pick which one to make us watch. Yeah, and a lot of times they're assholes and pick the one they think is going to be the worst. <laughs> yes. So I've I've decided to only put movies I want to watch now because <laughs> I've I've had to do like the terrible one a few times. Okay. So what one was it this time? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, uh, so this time they chose Night Train to Terror. So um, now it's that first 10 minutes of Night Train to Terror. Yeah. So a lot of horror fans know Night Train to Terror. So this movie is a one of a kind, I got to say. I don't think it's a one of a kind. I think it's... I don't know any other movie like this. Spookies. That's taken movies that are like... And has a crazy... Well, no, it's, it's... It's similar in the sense that it was different movies edited together to try and be cohesive. 
Okay. Yeah, that's what I meant. I wonder if it fails as hard as this one. I remember hating Spookies when I saw it when I was younger, but I haven't seen it since. So this is a weird movie because I hated this movie when I was young. and But you still bought it on Blu-ray. I bought it on Blu-ray. I don't know why. Um, And then I, because Vinegar Syndrome put it out and I trust them. Anyway, I watched it. (laughs) You don't trust them anymore? I watched it. Still hate it. (laughs) Good purchase. I then watched the commentary. Still hate it. Still hate it, but I'm not going to get rid of it because it's one of these movies that I just go back to. The story behind it is super fascinating. The story behind it is bizarre because, okay, so they were all written by the same fellow. I don't, I didn't write, I didn't write any notes. I did did write some notes. Um, It was written by Philip Jordan. Um, Didn't he write one of the Howling movies? I don't know, but I know he was an, he won an Oscar. What? I believe he wrote El Cid, which is a Charlton Heston epic. Um, he also was very instrumental when the all the writers were being blacklisted in the by the in the McCarthy era communist in in the uh, do you know about the Hollywood blacklist? Yep. yep. So when that was all happening, um, a lot of the writers that were being blacklisted were still writing, but Philip Jordan was putting them out under his name. So their work was still getting out there. So who knows if the Oscar he won was maybe someone else wrote the script. You're like judging from Night Train to Terror. <laughs> well, it's pretty not. weird that like an Oscar winner would then go on to write the three movies. All three movies that were involved in Night Train to Terror were written by Philip Jordan. Hmm. So anyway, we've got... Um, so then this, this guy named Jay Schlossberg Cohen got involved. And he, him and Philip Jordan were friends. I think. And um, what happened is he got a hold of these three movies that, that Jordan had written and came up with the idea of putting it all together into an anthology where he would take the films and cut them down into a horror anthology with a wraparound story. Um, a la Tales from the Crypt or all those, you know, all the billions of anthologies we know about. Mm-hmm. So... <sighs> <laughs> okay, so first of all, okay, so first of all, there's this wraparound story, and it's God and the devil on a train over this weird white table with this like, you know, stars in the background that are supposedly showing that the train's in motion, which it's clearly not, and then this crazy '80s party going on. And this guy who's wearing a headband sometimes and then other times he's in a completely different outfit singing this song over and over. I highly recommend you watch that scene on YouTube. Yeah, the scene's pretty epic. But that's then it comes out like throughout the movie in different incarnations. At one point, actually, the the singer guy does some slow motion breakdancing for a few minutes. And you hate this movie? (laughs) He does the worm even. (laughs) Anyway. How do you hate this movie? <laughs> that was the best part. Trust me. Night Train of Terror, Electric Boogaloo. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing because like the clothes are just so 80s. There's like this weird saxophone player. There's one part where everything stops and I can't remember what's happening in the foreground, but all the dancers in the background are just doing this weird like swaying back and forth thing. It's totally bonkers. Like, Everything about this movie. Are they wearing leg warmers too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything about this movie is weird. So, anyway, the the singer guy was played by Jordan's son, Byron, and uh, he never really went on to do anything. I wonder why. (laughs) Anyway, the the three stories, it even gets weirder. So, the first one is um, 
I it's called they're all called like the strange case of Harry Billings or whatever. So the first one's about this guy named Harry Billings, played by John Philip Law from Barbarella and Golden Voyage of Sinbad. And I don't even know what's about. It's all I know <laughs> is he gets in some sort of car accident, ends up in the sanitarium, bull from night courts there with hair, and there's like random scenes of bull from night court and like a naked woman on the table. Richard Mall. Yeah. He's like, and this like naked woman's like on a table tied down and they'll just show a shot of him with her. Then the next shot will be him running through the corridor. Then the next shot will be like these two people like pulling up to the asylum, like, Brad and Janet from Rocky Horror, like wanting to use the phone. Next thing you know, Richard Mole's like taking one of them and taking the husband and like killing him or something. And then, then he's running around the asylum. And then John Philip Laws shows up. It's there's no cohesion. You don't know what this is about. I don't even understand what the fuck you just it said. It doesn't mean anything. That's exactly the whole movie's <laughs> like the whole section of the movie's like that. So that ended. Hated it. Then we go back to the dancers. Oh, at least the dancers are there to like make you happy in between each story. It is. I was looking forward to them. I was. I was actually You're like, once, man, I wonder what kind of breakdance movie's going to do this where's time. Where's Byron? Okay. Or maybe he's going to do the fucking robot. <laughs> <laughs> so the next tale, the next tale was kind of cool. Actually, it just looked was kind of shoddily made. So this one was about this 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 sort of porn actress named Greta, played by an actress named Meredith Hayes, and. <laughs> So this guy goes to this like frat party and he's like drinking beer with his friends and there's some like stag reel playing at the frat party yeah. and he just becomes obsessed with this chick. And then next thing you know, you know, that always happens. They're in a relationship. Reels, they're in a relationship man. all of what? a sudden. Yeah. So what she... he, well, he goes to this bar where she's playing piano in like fishnets <laughs> and he like gives her the eye. And then the next thing you know, there's like this montage of them at the like amusement park or something then the next thing you know does 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 she push ice cream into his nose during this she montage? might she might those are the best i think there might you know be what a scene those like are that. the best fucking montages ever there might those, be a scene those like that. 80s love montages <laughs> are the best even toxic avenger has one of those man yeah oh yeah but the problem is the guy just doesn't look like he's really really into her so he was kind of creeping me out a bit so he's watching this stag reel He's secretly stroking it over his pants. Then he goes then to he this club, sees her in fishnets playing the piano, and then boom, she's multi, relationship. She's multi-talented. She's in a stag reel, and then she's playing fishnets and piano. Was she playing fucking well, tiny dancer? At the beginning, she's working at a carnival, Jeez. selling cotton candy. Wow. But then this like creepy like pimp guy or porn guy or whatever like pays her, and she throws away all the cotton candy, and next thing she knows, she's getting done in this uh, stag reel. <laughs> Okay, so okay, where's my money at? <laughs> no, he wasn't black. Oh. So anyway, then it gets even weirder because it turns out she's some part of some like suicide cult. <laughs> what is going on? So I guess it's like this group of people that get together and they they do like it's almost like Russian roulette, but it's like creative Russian roulette. Okay. So the first one is like there's this like gi- giant animatronic like mosquito or like wasp or something and it flies they like let it loose in the room where they all are and it flies around them all and they're just kind of all like it could kill any one of them because whoever it stings dies so that happens and 
then it doesn't actually sting any of them, but it flies out the window and goes down the goes down the street and stings some guy that's making up with the girlfriend. <laughs> that's awesome. It's pretty awesome. Okay, then the next one is they're doing this weird electrocution trick, this electrocution thing where like I don't know they're each like something happens and then they randomly get buzzed. But there's this one guy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm totally spoiling this movie, but believe me. It's the only thing that'll make you want to watch it. Apparently, you don't want to watch it, anyways. Okay, so that, yeah, uh, so there, there's this electrocution thing, but there's this guy, and he like looks exactly like Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> and he's got like the headband and everything. Anyway, he ends up getting electrocuted and like melts down. Excuse me, while I start to fry. <laughs> do, 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 That's do, awesome. <laughs> Very quick. Yeah. And then the last one, the last one of these like Russian roulette things has them all lying on the ground in sleeping bags. And, and then Jason comes along and swings them into a tree. No better. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, um, there's this ball, like it's like a, like a wrecking ball going around. Is like, Miley Cyrus swinging on it. <laughs> no, that would have made it better. <laughs> I but, doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she there. It's going around in a circle in the room, like over all their heads. And, um, on the roof, there's these, like, blades, like, cutting the rope. So it's like hot potato. Yeah. And then eventually it it falls and, like, crushes it one of It comes in like a wrecking it ball. crushes the heads. <laughs> gush, 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 gush. So that's the end of that. Anyway, that one, I might actually check out the I movie. don't actually have to watch that now. Thanks. Well, there's, a, it's again, like I said, these all, these all come from full-length movies. So I'm wondering if in the full-length movie there was a lot more of these creative Russian roulette I don't think games. there was. The full-length movie is called Death Wish Club, a.k.a. Carnival of Fools. And I think I am going to seek that one out. And it actually comes on the Vinegar Syndrome DVD or Blu-ray. Like the full version? The the Death Wish Club is oh, on okay, there. Cool. Yeah, and it's the best of the bunch here. Okay, cool. Then the third one was horrible. It was Cameron Mitchell and Richard Mole returned. Don't you be talking smack about Cameron Mitchell? <laughs> and Mark Lawrence, who was like kind of a, uh, he was a bad guy in a lot of noir movies. He's older now, obviously. But it's, it's this weird, like, the, Mark Lawrence plays this, like, he's, he has a dual role, but he's plays this, like, God, Jewish in those acting wings. Jewish guy who like escaped from the Holocaust, and then he's watching TV or something and sees the the like evil Nazi guy that kind of tortured him. Is that him. Richard Mull? No, oh. it's his guy, and he looks like David Cassidy, but like a like new romantic like goth David Cassidy. So he's, I think I'll gas you. <laughs> I think I'll gas you. He's like, a, yeah, goth dote David Cassidy, who's actually Satan. And wow, I always thought David Cassidy was Satan. And then I can't really tell you what it's about. It was, it was terrible. So that one, that was, that came from a movie called Cataclysm. This is AKA a glowing, glowing the nightmare. Never ends. Yeah, is that what you were thinking when you were watching it? <laughs> kind of was. And then we go back. Back this to nightmare our, never ends, that, but at least I've got some break dancing <laughs> to break up the tent. Yeah, then we go back room. to breaking Byron, and then the movie ends. Is that what he's called in the movie? No, that's, that'd be awesome. <laughs> hey, kids, it's breaking Byron. <laughs> now touring with the Wiggles. Anyway, I, I, I don't know if I made you want to go see this movie, but like, <laughs> I'm gonna watch it. Like, the only way, like, I would watch it if someone. Describe what I just described. Dude, I bought the Blu-ray too. But it is a chore, dude. So I'm telling everyone out there, if you do watch this movie, please, for watch God's sake, drink and watch it with people. <laughs> drink. Because you will not have fun with this movie otherwise. Hmm. 
But um, kudos to Vinegar Syndrome for putting it out. Like, with commentaries and the whole feature of Death Wish Club. Like, holy shit. Didn't they also <laughs> release, like, a seven-inch vinyl single of the song? From, did they? I think they did, oh like, God. a really limited edition <laughs> oh seven-inch vinyl single from of the song from that movie. Well, and I felt, like, in that song, like, because of the... And I felt like I was being mocked throughout the whole movie because the, the lyrics are over and over and over again everybody's got something to do everybody but you <laughs> you're like yeah you're fucking right i'm just sitting here like wanting to kill myself because your like, shitty ass movie and over the whole movie like it's the same song every time i remember what i remember i watched the title sequence on youtube more than once so yeah that whole dancing sequence at the beginning oh man can't get enough yeah it's uh it's pretty epic it's pretty night, epic night so, train to terror night train to terror all right, so that's it for Night Train to Terror. And the only other thing I wanted to mention is um, the uh, film industry lost a uh, quite an influential person in Los Angeles last week, um, and that's Eric Caden. And he ran a store called Hollywood Book and Poster Company. And uh, that was a kind of a legendary store for uh, people that lived in Los Angeles and film fans. Um, Caden also put on a... Um, uh, annual film festival at the New Beverly called the Grindhouse Film Festival. And he was a very, very, very into the types of movies where we dig, like cult movies, B-movies, obscure movies. And uh, he ran the store, and everyone kind of knew who he was. And uh, I've been in the store. I made a special trip to that store when I was in L.A. one of the times. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big loss. He was definitely uh, – he's our people. Yeah, he is. And w- we just don't have – like, guys like this, they're – like, it's just – it's sad because we're just losing guys like this, you know, like, I mean, I felt the same way when we lost Fury Ackerman, like, yeah. you know, these kind of like, historians. And, and, uh, Mike, Mike Rarney from, uh, something weird, from something weird. Yeah. yeah that was another one. Yeah. Like Where these are it, historians. It feels like you're losing your kin. Well, no way. so much knowledge. Like these guys know so much stuff and like, you know, it's just without them, without them preserving the stuff. And, you know, like Hollywood book and poster closed down a few months ago, but um, I think he was maybe going to reopen it up in the valley or something. But, um, you know, it's, it's just that knowledge and that passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if people have it like that. I mean, like guys like us do. But, you know, he was actually doing something. Like he was trying to like, you know, he made his life. It made it his life. Like I have a job and everything, right? Like I'm. it's not – I don't have – I, I have passion. Do, I would love to do the I'd shit love to they too. could do if I could actually – afford to live doing that well i mean and you know you need to have that vision right and you need to have the balls to do it and i don't (laughs) but uh you know i don't have but he did and uh you know it's it's a real shame and and i hate it when we lose guys like this because it's uh it's a real big blow and and just the the knowledge and the stories you know like that died with him it just sucks so well because we're going into a new era where there's not going to be these stories because all the stuff that these stories are coming out of don't exist anymore you know, we're going to have stories when we get older and we're already getting the stories about video stores. Yeah. People are going to not know what the fuck a video store is. Yeah. And just a, filmmaking in, in general, and, it's and, changed so much. Well, like, yeah, because it's not about the actual movie and about the having the determination to get a movie made now. It's about money, how yeah. much money we can make. Like, and, I honestly don't ever watch 
I Hollywood. rarely watch special features on new movies because I just don't care. Like they're just yeah. not. There's no stories there. It's just. But you know, when you're listening to stories about how Russ Meyer was making movies, or how Doris Wishman, or John Waters, or any of those guys, or like Fred Ray, even like Fred Ray and Jim Wynorski and those guys. Well, like, yeah, because these are guys who they capitalized on the market at the yeah. time when there was a video boom and all that stuff and they capitalized it on it. But now there's no such thing as a video boom anymore because it's just people throwing their stuff onto streaming services. Yeah. And it's not the same thing. It's not as exciting for me as a movie fan. And it's, you know, it's not transparent. You know, you don't know if these people are making money off streaming services and all this no, stuff. And, no, You know, it's like, it feels like everything's just a product now. It doesn't feel like there's as much passion behind movies as there once well, was. Well, that it's a nail on the head. I mean, it's passion, right? Like, when, when I look at a guy like Eric Hayden, he really did have passion for it. And he had passion for all the actors. And I think Fred and, and Jim Wynorski are the same way, right? Like, in a lot of Fred Ray's early movies, I mean, he's not doing it so much anymore. But he used to get all the guys that he grew up loving well, yeah, and Wynorski put them in his did movies. did the same thing. And yeah, Wynorski did the same thing. And, um, you know, it's, but it's because they had a respect for the history. And, you know, I think, I feel like those guys, I feel like those guys, their biggest role now is being historians like Eric Caden. And, uh, I hate hearing that these things are, you know, when these guys go mm-hmm. and, you know, Jim and Fred have a lot, of, lot more time in them. Thank goodness. But, um, you know, I just, it, it, I find it a real tragedy when stuff like this happens. Yeah, because I don't feel that there's, there is any stories now about. No. Because and you got to talk to those guys to get them. Because it's not the same yeah. environment now. So down the road, there's like, think about it this way. Are people going to be really, ta- really, if you think about it, are people going to be talking about the Avengers, in, uh, the Avengers in 40 years time? No. Probably not. Because it's just special effects and no real, like there might be some passion. Don't get me wrong. I don't hate Joss Whedon. I think... He has more of a nerdy aesthetic than a lot of guys working in Hollywood. Right. But I just find that these movies, a lot of them seem to just be lacking that extra spark that I remember getting when I was a kid, when I was watching, you know, Temple of Doom and stuff like that. Like, I don't feel like a lot of these movies that are coming out now are going to be put on these pedestals in the future because there's just so much, it's just so much more product than it is actual you know, movie. Totally. And I mean, yeah, I mean, Josh, we- Josh Whedon is cool. Like he's kind of got that hip thing going on, but I don't see him putting like these great guys in his movies either. Like, yeah. I just don't know if he has the same regard for, and you know, for the whole thing as guys like Quentin, guys like Robert Rodriguez, James Gunn, James Gunn. Yeah, I mean, like, I love how Quentin is always putting people in his yeah, movies. He's he's always letting his influences yeah. go to who he casts. Yeah, and it's like, you know, when I'm seeing, like, the Soska sisters putting Dean Cain in a movie, I just don't feel it's, like, I, it's kind of cool that they're doing that. But I also feel like it's kind of, I don't know if it's because they were Lois and Clark fans. You yeah. know, I think it's because it's a cheap actor with a name. Right. But who knows, right? But that's that's kind of how I feel it's gone. It's not because they really wanted Dean Cain, you know? I feel like Tarantino. Tarantino, when yeah. When he stops making movies, he can be one of these guys who's like kind of a film historian too because Absolutely. he's got so much knowledge. that, And you can tell he's got this knowledge so that when he decides he wants to stop making movies, 
he could easily slide into that role. Yeah. And that's he's got the theater. But that's the subculture I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Like when I go to Los Angeles, my dream would be to have Jim Wynorski like take me out and drive around and check out old film locations and go for dinner at Musso and Frank's, right? I mean, like that's what I'd like to be doing and hearing stories about all the all these old actors he's met over the years and yeah. and uh, hearing about you know how he was on set of or how he used to work for Corman and all that stuff. That's what I want to be hearing about, you know. And and I just feel like. We are losing that. We're starting to lose that. We definitely are. Yeah. And as we get older, it's going to become even worse. So anyway, rest in peace, Eric Caden. Thank you for everything. So let's get to this. On that downer, let's head into the apocalypse. <laughs> hey, I thought it was. I thought it was important to mention. No, it is important. It's definitely important. It's being huge film fans like us. It's always good to preserve where we're coming from and where we've been, and you know. And just look back on that and learn from that too. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're uh, yeah we're talking about post apocalyptic movies. Hell so yeah. Um, so yeah, as we as I mentioned at the beginning, we're gonna try and limit this more to like wasteland movies, like like the Road Warrior, mm-hmm. like movies that take place kind of in a primarily a desert environment, um, mutants, Amazons, cool cars, but um, you know like stuff. Stuff I scarce resources, yeah. So I, I'm I'm gonna list a few movies that I I've, I left out just to make sure we're on the same page, just just to let people know we're not going in this direction. Yeah. So like, even though they are technically kind of post apocalyptic movies, so stuff like Children of Men, great movie, but not gonna yep. go there. Yep. Escape from New York, Twelve Monkeys. Yep. Um. All Logan's Run. These are all movies I left out too. Yeah, like Snowpiercer, Hunger Games, yeah, The Stand. So those types of movies, we're not going to really. We we realize that post apocalypse stands for end of the world or society being changed in yep. a way that is entirely different from the way society is now or when the movie was made. But because we just watched Fury Road, and because the topic is so vast we've decided to kind of do a microcosm of yeah of post-apocalypse yeah for yeah. sure so um i don't know should we just start with why don't we start with mad max, mad max? yeah because this is the movie that inspired pretty much all the movies we're going to be talking about totally here. Yeah. well not so much mad max more road warrior but yeah let's talk about the entire series for sure so kick so, her off all right. Well, the first one was Mad Max. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this came out in 1979, directed by George Miller. Yep. Um, and this starred uh, Mel Gibson as yep. Max Rokotowski. Rock- it's hard to say his last yeah. name. Um, so he's this cop, and um, he has a partner named Goose. Yep. And he's up against this biker gang. Well, he pretty much this like guy from this biker game like the night crawler or something what's his name night crawler yeah night crawler yeah he gets there's a like a car chase at the beginning and the night crawler i think gets killed right mm-hmm. and Have then you not seen this in a while it's been a while yeah oh, okay did you watch did you get the screen factory i bought the screen factory blu-ray and i was prepared to watch it before we went soft fury road but i only got about half an hour in before All right, well maybe you can give a better plot sorry than me well it opens with a a car chase because Max is part of this uh, government-run kind of police force. Yeah, it's not really technically a police force. It's kind of like 
it's it's not the kind of police force you're used to. They they uphold the law, but it's got a very loose framework on it. And like Josh said, it's a it's a gang of these thugs who are going around, and it opens with him chasing down one of these guys, Goose and and Max, and he, he's everyone's having trouble catching this guy. And then Max, he's real cool, calm, and collector, right? He's just yeah. waiting for the moment to pounce. And then he's the one who takes down this guy, which kind of sets off this chain of events where the guy who's the leader of the gang, because they kill this guy. He crashes and he dies. So the leader of his gang decides he wants revenge. So what does, what happens? This so are we going to are we going to do spoilers or no? I don't really. Well, this isn't really a spoiler because this is plot. It basically is Max has something happen to his to his family. Which causes him to go for revenge. Yeah. So it's kind of like a revenge movie. Yeah. It's not really post-apocalyptic, even though it is set in a future. Yeah, it doesn't feel really post-apocalyptic. Yeah, it feels more like a revenge movie, like car in chase revenge Australia, movie. Or, yeah. uh, rural Australia. Yeah. So it's not really what we were looking at when we did the topic. Um, it's important because it did introduce the things that Miller would go on to use in the sequels. It had the main character, obviously, but it had those these kick-ass cars in it like max drives an interceptor yeah. which is this menacing black car with the big blower out the front of so the hood cool, yeah. and it's just got that sound like it's gonna tear your fucking face off when it comes yeah. for you and all that stuff and then all the bad guys they ride like you know they've got all the souped up cars and the motorbikes and all yeah. that kind of stuff too so it's setting the groundwork for what's happening in the sequels which is setting us on the trend that we're going towards in the topic um the thing that I thought is cool about this one is because it is basically a Western in like a punk post-apocalyptic garb. Road Warrior is more so a Western than this, yeah. but it's got the Western theme to it. It's more of a revenge movie. And what I always found weird about this movie is I remember seeing it on TV when I was a kid. I remember seeing it growing up. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really realize about dubbing and stuff. And the biggest atrocity that happened to Mad Max was that they redubbed the Australian voice track right. for North America because AIP, American International Pictures, they bought the movie and they figured people wouldn't know, really understand the accents or understand the the certain Australian terms that were used in the movie. So they redubbed it, which makes the movie less effective. Oh, yeah. And this movie didn't actually get released in North America until the year 2000. Really? Yeah, it was 2000 when it came out on DVD that it finally got its Australian oh, soundtrack the Australian soundtrack. Restored. Okay, yeah. So it's the first time you could actually hear Mel Gibson's real voice Yeah. in Mad Max came 21 years after the movie came yeah, out. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's a much better movie for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then... And the the lead guy was Toe Cutter, and he's a he's a pretty memorable vil- yeah, villain. Yeah, he's he's pretty badass villain in this movie. Yeah, and then there was like the Johnny, he's like this this sort of whiny sidekick guy or kind of a henchman for for Toe Cutter. Yeah, he's pretty memorable too. Yeah, the movie kind of follows the the formula of revenge movies. Only it's like I said, it's got more badass cars and stunts yeah. in it than a lot of these revenge movies too, which would set the pace for two years later. In 1981, when Road Warrior came out. Yep. So, 
Why don't you talk a little bit about Road Warrior? <laughs> I remember seeing Road Warrior. I was young when yeah, I saw I, it. I was super young, too. And I remember going with my, I rented on beta. I went with my parents to the theater. Holy shit. And um, to this theater on Hastings Street. Now, if you are no Vancouver at all, the area of Hastings Street that we went to see this movie is not that different from the Hastings Street that is synonymous with Vancouver nowadays. <laughs> and I remember we went to see Road Warrior in this theater. There was a guy huffing glue behind us. Awesome. <laughs> it was a very creepy experience. But I loved it. And I was I was young, but I just loved it. It just it had it was just so cool. It had like punkers in it yep. and fast cars and stunts and guy that looked like Jason and yeah, it was awesome. Well, it was really before Jason. Yeah. Because Jason didn't get his mask until the year after. Nerd. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, this is Max returning, but this is a wasteland where every... This is a true wasteland movie because this is when, in the future, yeah. gasoline has become so scarce that everybody's seeking it out. Yeah. And he kind of becomes involved with this... Kind of like this. Uh, I guess it's a little village of people. Yeah, like a tribe. And they're and they're being harassed by Lord Humongous, the which, guy with the hockey mask, which is the guy with the hockey mask, and his gang of like punk rock thugs. You know, there's a uh, there's Wes, who's like his second in command, who's like got that image that everyone knows from Road Warrior with the mohawk and like the kind of like the football. Yeah, paint stripes under his eyes, and he's got the. It's kind of like he's they're basically wearing football. Yeah, and it's like a bright red mohawk. Yeah, and he's wearing yeah. kind of basically wearing football like gear because he's got the shoulder pads and everything, and they're a they're just such a menacing group of guys, right? Because yeah. Lord Humongous will roll in with his thugs and be like, "We're taking all your gas. Nothing you can do about it." And yeah, all that, and he he just goes roaming throughout the Australian desert, this wasteland, just doing that until Max decides to help these people out and stand up to yeah Lord Humongous and his guys, which of course leads to. Multiple car crashes, a feral kid with a boomerang using it in an awesome way. Yep. And just all kinds of, like, the imagery in this movie was something that in 1981, you hadn't seen these kind of stunts. No, this was Outside of, like, maybe an H.B. Halaki yeah. movie who did the original Gone in 60 Seconds, you didn't see stuff like this in movies. No, you didn't see stuff like this. No. You, at all. This, this is a stunt movie. Yeah. If you're a guy like Josh who loves- I'm a guy. Well, you know, if you but are, I do love stunts. If you love yeah. stunts, then this is the movie. This is the movie that made me and probably you aware of stunts. Yeah. Because you were like, I cannot believe they got people to do this stuff and filmed it. Well, yeah. And I mean, like for me, I mean, I always had a love for stunts. I mean, a lot of it came from Burt Reynolds movies. But this was the first time I think I saw it in such a like serious way well you're probably like wow i'm surprised there wasn't people getting hurt all the time when they were making this movie yeah well someone did die in the in the final chase there oh, was a, stunt, okay. a stuntman to die but um but it's what an epic final chase so like holy crap yeah like it's like cars and rigs and everything and everyone's flying everywhere and crashes and it's just so awesome and this is this is definitely the movie that influenced Pretty much all the movies that we're going to talk about coming oh, up yeah. for the most part. And this is also, I was when I was looking into this, I found it funny that it influenced more than just movies too. In the sense that there's, Phil Collins filmed a video <laughs> that has a section <laughs> in the middle. Are you actually 
has a section in the <laughs> middle of it that's a takeoff of Road Warrior. Come on, It's even dude. got the Lord Humongous guy in you, it. You're talking about Phil Collins. That's like talking about but Tina Turner in the What Road about Warriors. wrestling? <laughs> what about wrestling? Road Warriors tag team. Demolition tag I team. I know. Totally Road Warriors. Totally Road Warriors. Sorry, what does Phil Collins have to do with the Road Warriors? He made a music video for one of his songs where he's being like at a Hollywood agent and he's being pitched all these movie ideas and one of the movie ideas is totally Road Warrior. Was that the... <laughs> it's in one of his rock videos? It's in one of his solo videos. What yeah. song? Oh, fuck, I don't remember now, dude. I just know that in the middle of it, <laughs> he gets thrown into a Road Warrior type movie. I wonder if it's something to do with the movie Buster. <laughs> no. <laughs> Isn't he a Hollywood agent in the film Buster? No, it's before that, man. Do you know what the movie Buster's about? He's a con man. Have you seen that movie? No. Okay. Why? I don't know. Why? What? Why are you busting my balls? I'm just Phil wondering Collins? if you're a Phil Collins fan. Well, I like In the Air tonight. Do you like Susudio? No, I like In the Air tonight. Do you, do you like Easy Lover? I like Easy Lover. <laughs> Only because of Philip Bailey. <laughs> Philip Bailey's the man. <laughs> why are you? Why are you busting my chops here? I just. Can't stand Susudio. I don't like Susudio. So that ruined Phil Collins for me. <laughs> well, you know, I can't stand Tarzan. All those songs he did for Tarzan. Oh, I don't know those. Like ones. you will be in my can heart. Can you sing no, them for no, me? No, I'm not singing them. You can fuck right <laughs> off. That's what you can do. But <laughs> the guy who played Wes Vernon Wells, think twice, man. It's just another day for you and me in paradise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. You know I love you, but I'm in too deep. <laughs> okay. Take that Phil Collins reference and put it in your pipe and smoke it, you fuck. <laughs> Better be careful or we'll be living separate lives. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Take a look at me now, man. <laughs> okay. There's just an empty space. Enough. <laughs> Enough. Anyway, Vernon Wells, who played Wes, this guy was became was super cool in that movie, but... When I was looking into him, I remembered he was in Commando as one of the bad guys. He was the guy who wore, like, the the mesh shirt and had the mustache, and he was, like, pretty badass. Oh, yeah, I remember him. And then he was also – this is another Road Warrior reference that I thought was awesome. Weird Science, John Hughes' 1985 movie. There's a scene in the middle where they're having a big party at the house, and these guys, these post-apocalyptic-looking thugs – Burst into the house on their motorbikes. Right. One of them's Michael Berryman from Hills Have Eyes. Okay. And the other one's a guy with like f- half of his face melted off. And they're doing like donuts on their motorbikes and driving them up the stairs and wreaking havoc. At the end, they're, the leader of that gang comes walking in and it's fucking Vernon Wells dressed like Wes from Road Warrior no with a shotgun. Really? So goddamn sweet. <laughs> Well, I'm going to have to watch Weird Science Weird Science is my favorite John Hughes movie, no doubt. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. But there's that reference. There's references to Road Warrior everywhere, man. Everywhere. Even Phil Collins. (laughs) 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 But if you're definitely... I would say still watch... Like, Road Warrior is the movie that made me aware of of Mad Max. (laughs) Stop laughing. It's the movie that made me aware of Mad Max, but I still like the first movie. But for post-apocalyptic, Road Warrior is where it's at for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, four years after that, we, you know, Tina Turner came along and, (laughs) you know, Beyond Thunderdome happened. Yep. 
So now I, I I watched the trailer for this when we were wa- preparing for this episode. We don't need another <laughs> hero. <laughs> so the trailers look kind of cool. There's cool scenes in it, but you can tell that they got Tina Turner, not because George Miller wanted her. I would imagine it was probably because the studio said. You need to put Tina Turner. Dude, Private Dancer is such a big selling right now. Let's get Tina Turner to be the villainous in Mad Max 3. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Beyond Thunderdome is set 15 years after the events of uh, Road Warrior. It's got Max kind of roaming the wasteland like he tends to do when he's not busy beating the shit out of thugs. Yeah. And he ends up in this barter town, which is run by Anti Entity, which is Tina Turner with a really big looking gray fright wig and like <laughs> chainmail outfit and she she's kind of silly and uh he ends up getting thrown into these fights in the title Thunderdome. Yeah. And this is the thing I remember most about this movie is there's a fight in the Thunderdome against this guy called Master Blaster. Now, the guy's not called Master Blaster. It's actually a combination like Voltron. Where <laughs> Master is this little midget guy and Blaster is this giant thug guy who's like his bodyguard and he straps master onto his back and fights max in the middle of this thunderdome which is basically like a jungle gym of metal that everyone's on the outside cheering them on and max beats the shit out of master blaster really oh is that where the scorpions did the scorpions get the rocky like a hurricane i think it was actually maybe info i know actually no it couldn't have been because it was before Maybe George Miller ripped off the Scorpions Ooh. for Beyond Thunderdome. Who knows? The Scorps, to those in the know. <laughs> the Scorps. <laughs> yeah, here I am. So yeah, it did look. It did look pretty. And it did he, look pretty cool. He does end up like teaming up with a bunch of feral children, which I felt was kind of like a callback oh, to God, I hate kids in movies. But this is this is the thing. This is why I don't like Thunderdome as much because there's too much of these kids. Yeah, I hate it. I hate and it. It's like, oh, Max is our hero. He's gonna save us. Blah blah blah. I'm like, no. Yeah, get the kids out of the. No, goddamn I want to see like cars flipping over. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't. So wanna... was there? There was a bit of car action in this one. A little bit, but not nearly as much as Road Warrior. Yeah. When you're coming off a of Road Warrior, which is 98 minutes of adrenaline. Yeah. You're getting 106 minutes of Tina Turner trying to look like badass. Yeah. And and Mel Gibson sort of looking embarrassed once in a while. Yeah. It just doesn't work for me. No, it's just one of those cases where they should have just stopped. While they I were feel in. like a lot of people are starting to come around on that movie, kind of like they did on Halloween 3. Really? But I'm still not really getting it. I well, just I just picked it up on Blu-ray, so I want, I'm going to try and revisit the whole is series. Is there a box set of the three of them? There no. is. Is there? There is. From Scream? No. Okay, so you'd have to... MGM put out a box set with part one in it, too. Okay. Mad Max has been on Blu-ray twice, once from MGM and once from Scream. But Scream one's the one to get, probably. Well, it's got the better special features, but I've heard that the picture quality's about par, or actually some people are saying they prefer the MGM picture quality. Okay, so I could just get a box set of the other three. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Like, the thing is, I mean... I, I did, yeah, like, the trailer looked pretty cool for this. Um, I don't remember liking it, but I remember loving World Road Warrior so much, so it's going to be a letdown. But uh, Miller didn't direct this in its entirety. He, he co-directed, co-directed it, yeah. George Ogilvie. So um, maybe that's this, part of the problem. I think there was a story behind that about him being unhappy with how it was turning out, and then this George Ogilvie took over. I didn't really look into it too deeply when I was 
writing my notes out, but I think there's a story there. I like the sense I got when looking into it was that he was just kind of like, it was at a period where he was feeling a little overwhelmed and asked Ovi Ov- Ov- to help him out. But yeah. I don't know. Who knows, right? But whenever you're seeing like a co-director situation involved, you kind of wonder what's going on. Yeah, a lot of times it's because they've brought them in to help out. Yeah. Sometimes it could be a case where, you know, the guys are, are honestly working together because that's just how they work. Like yeah. Like the guys who made the Crank movies and the Shoska sisters and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of times a co-director isn't exactly the greatest sign in the world. No, for sure. No. Then we get to what we just saw a couple weeks ago. Yes. That we saw opening night. So Miller went off and made the Babe movies and made the well, Happy he didn't, Feet movies. He made the second Babe movie. <laughs> oh, did he just make the second? No, yeah. I think he did both, didn't he? No, he didn't make the first one. Really? Okay. He didn't. He directed ba- Pig in the City. Oh, okay. Which is dark as hell. I haven't seen Pig in the City. It's dark as hell. Really? For a kid's movie, it's super dark. Wow. Yeah. But uh, the thing about that is Fury Road was originally announced in in 2001. Wow. Was like, it called Fury Road? Well, no, it was he had, he had announced he's making another Mad Max movie in 2001. Yeah, there's been talk about it forever. And then and Gibson was involved. Yeah, at that he time. was. Yeah. And then 9/11 happened and they figured that wasn't really a good idea to make that movie. And then there was a bunch of false starts throughout the years where he couldn't get the funding together or the studio pulled out or something along those lines. And that's why he went and made like happy feet and all those kind of things. And it was like Gibson, Gibson, Gibson all the way. It was Gibson all the way, but then it got to a point where it's been like, he's been talking about making this movie for over 10 years and Gibson lost interest and his credibility too. Yeah. And credibility. And, 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 you know, Miller was kind of like, well, he's sort of too old to be doing this anyway now Yeah, for the vision I have of Max. You know, you don't want Max to be a, a old man because then he becomes like a parody, kind of like Schwarzenegger has in all of his recent movies. You know, like Last Stand and right. and, and Sabotage, yeah. and the upcoming Terminator, which looks like Ugh, absolute God, shit. I know, you know, and and stuff like that. So, eventually, I'd I'd really like to know how he he managed to get greenlit with a hundred and fifty million dollar budget too. Yeah. Because I'd like to see what what made it go full circle that all of a sudden they were like, we're into Mad Max again. Let's 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 make another Mad Max movie. Yeah. When it's been, you know, fifteen years. Well, no, thirty years since Thunderdome. Well, the times have changed, right? I mean, everything now is a reboot, a remake. Well, I know. So that certainly helped, I'm sure. But the thing is, he came back and he did it right. Oh yeah. So. Tom Hardy takes over as Max, and I found this movie was really less about Max and more about the side characters. Did you get that feeling from the movie? It was about Furiosa. Yeah, Furiosa, which was played by Charlize Theron. Yeah. Who was, she was kind of like a female version of Mad Max, really. Yeah, and I I mean, I felt like this was, I I mean, I feel like it's a a franchise kicking off. It could be, because apparently the... Tom Hardy has said he signed up for three more Max movies. Okay. But George Miller had also said that the next movie was called Mad Max Furiosa. Oh. But he's changed the name since. But the thing about this movie is this goes back to the way Road Warrior was. This is the stunts that we loved 30 plus years ago. Yeah. This is the gritty environment and 
society downfall that we loved in in Road Warrior. Yeah. Only taken to this new, more extreme because the main bad guy. I f- I feel like he was actually more of a more of a terrible villain than Lord Humongous was in in Road oh, Warrior. Oh yeah, because he guy, was limiting yeah. people to their resources. He was making everyone worship him like he was a a, a deity deity or whatever. And 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 you know and. He was just a weird fucking looking bad guy too, because he, you know, he just had some sort of weird disease that was never explained. Yeah. Where he had to like get this group of all these young guys and and like draw blood from them to live. Yeah, which made them all pale and like bald and gross, and it was it's a weird fucking backstory. Yeah, and and the, the interesting thing you told me going into the movie is that the actor who played the bad guy, yeah played toe cutter in the original mad max yeah right? very cool callback on the behalf of george miller so the actor's name was hugh uh, keys baron baron so he went and he he brought back someone from the original mad max and that's a really cool thing what was it what do you think what was your favorite thing about fury road it was just like an onslaught of stunts like i mean it was basically a two-hour two chase hour movie. car chase yeah because the first it established this stuff in the first fifteen minutes, and then the rest of the movie was in motion. There was in that last hour forty five minutes there was probably maybe what ten minutes of when the wheels weren't going when they were in motion, yeah, it was ten like, minutes there was just where there moments was just... where they had to stop to like clear debris or you know get some gas or meet up with some people where they would stop for a couple minutes, have a little bit of dialogue. But the thing I really loved about Fury Road is the fact that even though they were in motion the entire time, there was all these action sequences going on. They, he somehow managed to wedge character development into this movie, even though it was a chase movie. Because I felt by the end of the movie, I did have a really good idea of who Furiosa was. And, I, you know, Max could have been a little bit more developed, yeah. I thought. He was a little bit thrown on the back burner, but I was okay with that in the sense that Charlize Theron's character was so strong that she was a co-hero of the movie, and I thought that added a new wrinkle to the series. Well, it's a good lesson for people that are making big action movies that if you get an actor on the caliber of Theron Mm -hmm. to be playing your lead, that's what you're going to get, right? I I know. She was... When you go and just get whoever the hot young actor of the time is that's unestablished, that really doesn't know their craft, you're going to get a two-dimensional character. But when you get someone like this, who's a proven good actress, I mean, she's always reliable. For the most part, yeah. She's going to... That's what you're going to get, even with, you know, she's going to give you a character. The thing is, is that she's so beautiful in real life. Yeah. But she manages to play these characters like Furiosa. She met like... Were, uh, you know, monster. Eileen where, Wernos, yeah. Yeah, where she strips this beauty that she's known for so you can focus on her actual skill yeah. as an actress because she's a really good actress. Yeah. And I found that I could see her. I could. I would gladly watch another movie with that character. Oh, yeah. If she was in it. Yeah, for sure. Because she was just so strong in it. Like, you don't get to see a lot of strong female heroes in movies these days. And and she was definitely, I felt she was a stronger hero than Max was even. Yeah, this was her movie. But Mm -hmm. I mean, and I thought Tom Hardy was good as, but you know. He fit the role. He didn't have a lot to do. He didn't have a lot to say. He was kind of like Carl Urban in Dread, right? He was just kind of like that silent, stoic hero who he was just there when he was needed to be there. And he did what he needed to get done. You know, he got the shit done that needed to be to get done. 
without complaining about it and, you know, just getting it done. Yeah. He was more of a workmanlike hero. Exactly. And that's why I feel like this was kind of a beginning because mm-hmm. it did show their relationship and how they got to where they are. Um, but this was her movie for yeah. sure. Like everything else that was going on, it was really her. Like I didn't really like, yes, we had some character development, but really all the, all the other girls and the, the, um, well, I was mostly talking about her character. Yeah. Development. Like the Nicholas Holt character. I mean, I didn't, you know, it was kind of interesting, but I didn't feel like it really panned out that much. And, well, no, not really. And uh, but it was a, it was, it was. This is a stunt movie. It was totally. about the car chase, and it was about Furiosa, and not much CG. No, I mean it was it was perfect use of CG because it was an enhancement rather than a. In this day and age, when everything's so fucking yeah. CG'd, it was so nice to sit in a theater and be like. Yes. Yeah. This is how it is done. Mm -hmm. This is how it was done. And this is how it should continue to be done. Well, yeah, because I went. This is craft. Yeah. I saw Avengers recently. And my thing with CG these days is like whenever I'm watching big epic movies like this, I'm sitting there watching a CG movie. And I'm like every every scene. I'm like, this should be blowing my mind. But it's not because every scene is yeah, and everything's, this big epic And thing, everything's so shiny and, and it's and impossible. Fake. Everything's impossible. Like when you watch Avenger, Avengers, like all the stuff that's going on, you're just like that defies the laws of physics. Like it's not even possible. In Fury Road, everything's actually happening. Yeah, it's being enhanced a little bit. But for the most part, these stunts are actually happening. Well, yeah, it's they're... possible. This stuff is blowing my mind because I'm like... Holy crap! I can't believe they did that. Well, there's all that talk. There was all that talk about you know. There's characters in the movie who they're kind of on these like really thin, like flexible sticks. Yeah, and they're on top of these you know kind of like pendulum. Yeah, back and forth between vehicles, and people are like, "Oh, that's totally CG. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's not true." There was B-roll that came out that actually shows those were stunts. Wow, that were really done. Yeah. So. If you want to see true craft in the sense of an action movie, Fury Road. Yeah. No doubt. Well, and I go back to my stunts thing. I mean, it's come up many times in this podcast, but I mean, that that to me is an action stunts movie. Stunts will always trump CG. Yeah. Watching, watching characters in Lords of the Rings movies sliding down elephant trunks and landing perfectly is not... That, that, that doesn't impress me. A stuntman doing a jump out of an airplane... Henry Silva's character, Dar Robinson's fall at the end of Sharky's machine, where he's falling out of like a forty-story building, that impresses me. That that to me is cool. But um, yeah, and and I think New Fast and the Furious, I also think employed a lot of stunts as opposed to CG. So basically, so maybe it's coming back a bit. Hopefully, but basically, what we're telling you is go see Fury Road in theaters. Yeah, it's it's this is a theater must. You will not regret it. Yeah, and I'm sure people have heard it a thousand. I, they I, have. I've only heard. I've only read one bad review of Fear Road. Well, then they're an idiot. Well, yeah. I mean, you I, should be going to see this movie uh, just for the fact alone that the bad guys have their own theme music when they're rolling through the desert. Yeah, <laughs> that they've got a dude on a friggin' car with big giant Marshall stacks behind him, jamming out on a guitar that shoots flames out the fucking end of it. <laughs> that should get you in theaters right there. Yeah, I mean, I think most, I would hope that most people who are remotely a fan of 
this type of movie, I've already been to the theaters. I would hope so. I'm going again, you know, probably a couple more times. At least one more time, though, before it's out of the theaters. Just do us a favor, man. Make a movie like that make some money. Don't let freaking movies like whatever piece of shit Melissa McCarthy puts out next. (laughs) Don't make that a number one movie. Keep going to Fury Road. Come on. Do us a favor. Yeah. Did it do well? Did Fury Road do well? It's doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was, I got, it was so hard watching Avengers after this. Like I just couldn't get into it, you know, at all. Like I just couldn't. That's my issue with superhero movies. So that's, I haven't watched, really watched any superhero movies since Spider-Man's, like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man's and the first Iron Man because it became too much for me. Yeah. It was just effects, 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 effects. And I don't care. Yeah. Like, that's why I don't go to Hollywood blockbuster movies, because they're just... All they are now is just CG. I don't care. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell you a story here. This is this is the thing. A couple years ago, Academy Awards. What was the award that made me the most angry? It was the fact... Yeah. It was the fact that the guy who made Gravity won for Best Director. Yeah. When all that movie is, is green screen CG effects. Yeah. That makes me mad. That is not fucking directing. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to say about it. No, I agree. I agree. So that's why when, you know, when we were talking about Josh Whedon earlier, I think it's, I think it's hearts in the right place, but it's just. Well, the thing about Josh Whedon is I remember where he came from. So, you know, he's, he's a fanboy at heart. Yeah. You know, he's the guy who made Buffy kind of cool in the nineties, you know? He's the guy who made Firefly into this big thing that it is now. Like, Firefly is kind of like Generation X's Star Wars in a way, like, and Star Trek. It's like the thing that people of that age have attached onto. Like, we attach, maybe attached onto Star Trek, Star Wars. Yeah, and I still haven't seen Firefly. You know, just things like that. Like, he's got some cred going for him. Just like totally. I, I feel like another guy who, who could possibly pull it off is J.J. Abrams, right? Yeah, oh, I think he can. he's a guy who has come into it and I can see f- from what he's shown me that he's not all about the special effects that he's looking to make movies that are going to be pleasing to fans. Like his first Star Trek movie that he made in 2009, I don't even really like Star Trek. Yeah. But I loved that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen the sequel which I've heard isn't as good, but I love that movie. And judging from what I've seen from that Star Wars trailer, I don't think he's going to piss off Star Wars fans that much either. No. So there's a couple guys out there who might. Well, they, they, yeah, I mean, the difference with those guys is they do understand character and stuff. Yeah. But I don't give a shit about New Jurassic Park. Maybe I'll be eating my words after it comes out. But it's just, you know, again, like the stuff in the trailer, I'm like, this should be knocking, only, knocking only, my socks off. And I'm just like, eh. The only thing I really kind of think is funny about the New Jurassic Park one, about Jurassic World, is that's basically a fucking slasher movie with dinosaur. Is it? Well, because it's like, she escaped. She's killing every all the other dinosaurs. It's like a fucking slasher movie with a T-Rex. <laughs> a, a, a dinosaur slasher movie? That's basically the way I'm looking at it. So I'm like, hey, maybe maybe you never know, man. Maybe if that fucking T-Rex puts on a hockey mask halfway through the movie. Maybe so they it's start... like Star-Lord, like <laughs> Sam Loomis or what? <laughs> maybe, they start, maybe they start tuning up. Yeah, right halfway through the movie, he's like, you don't understand evil the way I understand evil. I stared into that T-Rex's eyes for years. There was no emotion. No emotion. <laughs> you never know. 
Uh, I seriously was looking. I'm like, man, it's a slasher movie with a T-Rex. Yeah, that's funny. I've actually closed my eyes in the trailers because I feel like they've been giving away way too much. I'm So I've been trying not to. Because it looks like they give away the whole movie. In I've that been trailer. really trying now to avoid watching trailers at home. Yeah. Unless it's something where I'm like, well, I, like if I've read, for example, a movie like uh, there's a movie coming out called Me, Earl and the Dying Girl, hmm. which is like one of those quirky kind of comedies, you know, Little Miss Sunshine, way, way back kind of things. I've read the book. Right. So that's why I watched the trailer. Yeah. But if for a movie like, you know, I did overkill myself with Fury Road trailers, admittedly. Yeah. See, I stopped on those ones, too. But I'm trying to get away from watching trailers well, they just give away way too much spoil a lot of stuff like there's that new johnny depp one that i thought that was a pretty good trailer i didn't watch it yeah it's like he's like this uh is that where he plays whitey it's like yeah it's, it's some sort of gangster thing yeah, but yeah. Just, it was just i thought it was just a well done trailer i think the new star wars one's really well done because it gets you excited but it doesn't give away the oh, whole yeah, plot cause yeah you, yeah because you were giving me shit for not being excited, being more excited for Mad Max over Star Wars. And then after you showed me the trailer, I admitted to you, I will go see it now. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it does its job. And does that's, its job. That's yeah. how I feel J.J. Abrams won't fuck it up. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> let us talk about the aftermath or the post-aftermath of, <laughs> of Mad Max and The Road Warrior. Yeah, we got to get through my uh, eight pages of notes here. Oh, so, Jesus Christ. In the next uh, 40 minutes. Why, are we at an hour 20? Yeah, hour 25, actually. Okay, bring it. Let's do it. Because okay, a, well, know... a lot of mine are just basic quick mentions, so. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, we don't need to, I don't think we actually need to go into depth. When you talk Road Warrior, when you talk about anything that gets popular in the 80s, what comes to mind? In my mind, I see a bunch of fucking investors Going, cue the foreign ripoffs. Yeah. And I mean, this is what happened with Mad Max big time. Yeah. So there's a whack of Italian knockoffs oh, yeah. in particular. So many. So I don't know. Should we just start tackling those? We can tackle the Italian ones. I mean, for the foreign ones, it's mostly Italian. There are some Filipino ones in there and a couple of Argentinian ones. Like, you know, but it's mostly Italian. So let's go through some of those. All right. Well... Um, most of those, honestly, I just kind of wrote down titles worth mentioning. Yeah, and I didn't, I haven't, I, obviously I didn't have time to watch a lot. I oh, did, God, they're so goddamn I many. watched a lot of trailers, and I did bring me back, and it did make me really realize, you know, because I always kind of thought, I don't really know if I dig the post-apocalyptic genre that much. I do. I know, I know you do, but I, I never, <laughs> I just was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm that big of a fan of it. Um but I, yeah, I think I kind of am. So I did even watch... even the Italian ones, man. I know they're cheap. I know they're a rip off of Road Warrior, but I'll still watch the shit out of them. Well, those are the ones where where I, my first love is, right? So, right. okay, I did watch one. Um, it was um, actually I don't, this one wasn't really an Italian one. It was more of an Australian one. It was called Warlords of the Twenty First Century. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, AKA Battle Truck. Yeah, Battle Truck. And this one stars. Um, Grab that on your double feature DVD with Josh's favorite sequel ever, Death Sport. Death Sport. Yeah, we'll talk about Death Sport in a sec too. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this one is about. Um, it stars Michael Beck, so Swan from the Warriors. Yeah, this is this is definitely an Australian movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's, it doesn't have an Australian director. It's directed by Harley Coakless. Who did Bad Moon Rising and Malone with Burt Reynolds? Oh, that movie! But I think it was shot in Australia. It was, yeah. 
So anyway, but they did get some American actors. So it stars Michael Beck as this guy. And um, so it opens up with this battle truck going around in the uh, wastelands of uh, post-nuke Australia. And um, where gas gas is a sort, very similar to Road Warrior, gas is at a... Uh, is a very difficult you're gonna see commodity. A theme. You're going to see oh, yeah. a theme in this. Post-nuke, no yeah. gas. No or water. water. <laughs> so um, there's this villain who's driving the truck called Striker, and he's got his henchmen, and they're just driving around, and then they um, end up... They have this sort of slave girl with them who I, I think she might be Striker's daughter, but she escapes. Michael Beck saves her. Um, takes her. He takes her to this, like... Similar to Road Warrior, this kind of tribe that's yeah. got a fence around it, um, and they take her in, and um, she and becomes, becomes part of the kind society. Of a siege movie. What's that? Comes kind of a siege movie. No, it? no. The striker comes and basically busts into the village, takes her away, pretty much busts just into the village. Conan the Barbarians just yeah smashes through the gate. They sort of screw everything up. There's like, of course, there's like a turncoat villager who you kind of know is a turncoat from the right. get go, and then Striker um, screws everything up. But they can't find the girl um, because she's with Beck. Goes and screws up Beck's camp, uh, Beck's house, um, and then the turncoat guy takes the girl, kidnaps the girl, brings her to Striker, and then Beck has to go save her. That's pretty much the plot. But it was pretty entertaining. I mean, I'm a huge Michael Beck fan. I don't know what happened to this guy. Like, why the hell? Like, he was so cool in The Warriors. He was really cool in this. He was pretty, pretty much playing Swan again in a post-apocalyptic time. I guess what happened to Michael Beck is called Xanadu. But uh, <laughs> um, so I don't. But I don't really know the story about why he never really. God, if you want to see a disaster, watch Xanadu. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's pretty weird to go it's, from it's Warriors gotta, to Xanadu. It's got to say something about Xanadu though. That when a few years ago. When they were doing the the P and E out here in Vancouver, right, which is kind of like the the summer fair we have out here, they have free musical performances every night with your ticket admission, right. And I happened to be there on the night that it was Olivia Newton John performing, right. And I look at my girlfriend because we were just going to check it out just for shits and giggles. I said, if Olivia Newton John doesn't play fucking Xanadu. I'm rioting. <laughs> so that's got to say something about the power of Xanadu, even though it's the worst movie. Did she play Xanadu? She totally did. Wow. See, I think I would probably love Xanadu. What's well, roller skating? Yeah. It's Fred Astaire looking embarrassed. No, Gene Kelly. Or Gene Kelly yeah. looking yeah. embarrassed right before he died. Michael Beck. Michael Beck. Yeah, you might like it. Olivia Newton-John when she was hot. Yeah. I've actually... Yeah, I don't know. It I'm, looks weird I'm enough. I'm sure the that Wiz I... is worse. <laughs> Which is the the African American version of Wizard of Oz with Diana Ross and, and uh, Richard Pryor and Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson, yeah, yeah, and Evil Toilets. Anyway, we're not here to talk but about bizarre. I have never. We've I got have, a musical episode coming not, up. I have not seen Battle Truck. It was it was really good. I remember the video box from the '80s when it was called Warlords of the 21st Century, where it had that cool hand painted cover of the hero on a motorbike yeah. with the girl clinging to him and yeah. everything. I remember that, but I've never actually gotten around to watching that movie, even though I do have it on that double feature with Death Sport. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. You have the same double feature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought like Beck's Beck's pretty reliable. Like I thought he was really good. Did you know that Beck was in a um, TV series with Michael Parry? No. 
Yeah. It was like two seasons. They were like detectives in Florida. Sounds familiar wanna, to me now that you're talking about I want about to track it. that down. There is a Michael Perry movie I'm going to talk about briefly too. Oh, cool. Huh. Okay. So, um, yeah, I really, I did, I did kind of dig this. Bruno Lawrence is in it as well. He plays one of the henchmen. He was in Quiet Earth, which we'll get to. Yep. Um, and, um, yeah, I thought this was a pretty a pretty fun little flick. There's also a VW bug that's like all souped up with armor and stuff. Um, yeah, it, it was pretty fun. I think fun. that's the main thing I like about these post-apocalyptic movies is just the fact that they're making all these cars look all badass yeah. by putting all this armor on them. And it's got that punk rock look to all the characters. Yeah. And they're just like, it's just like people are ruthless in these movies too. Yeah. It's, this was simple. But fun and effective. I mean, it was no World War here by any means. Well, no, none but, of these movies we mention are. But I did enjoy it a lot more than I wanted, than I thought I would. Than you wanted no, to? <laughs> no, than I thought I would. And it did get me excited to like start checking out some more of these now. So um, I guess we can continue to talk about more of these Italian yeah. knockoffs because there's so many of them. Well, one of the ones that I always remember seeing on TV in the 80s after I'd seen Road Warrior, was uh, 1990 The Bronx Warriors. Yeah, directed by Enzo Castellari. Yeah, and that was a total... That was kind of a ripoff of Escape from New York and Road Warrior, which is kind of a combination we'll talk about a little later, too. But it starred uh, uh, Mark Gregory, who was also in this really weird Italian Rambo ripoff series called Thunder Warrior. Right. Where there was three of these movies where he played like a Native American yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Rambo-type character, even though he's definitely not native american and uh, he plays a character called trash in the in this movie and it's your typical post-apocalyptic you know guy saves the girl harassed by gangs action sequences i just i remember that that in the sequel which was called escape from the bronx i just remember thinking they were pretty feeble movies after road warrior but i feel like if i was to go back and watch them now i would probably love them Right, and yeah, I mean, watching the trailers for them now, I mean, they do look pretty awesome. And Mark Gregory, he was, he was only 17 years old in this movie. Was he really? Yeah. Holy shit. It's pretty unbelievable. But it's like, it's got that classic the that classic VHS box yeah. of he's like kind of like this long haired dude kind of Man, running or something. There's something, something to be said about those old school friggin' VHS boxes and movie posters, those hand painted ones. Yeah. They're just so much better than the Photoshop shit of these days. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. So, like Chris mentioned, Castellari returned to make the sequel, um, 1990 Bronx, or Escape from the Bronx. And um, I think there was a third one as well. Um, but um, I do know that, I think it was actually Warriors of the Wasteland. Yeah, it was Warriors of the Wasteland. It wasn't really... Um, it wasn't a direct sequel, and uh, Mark Gregory didn't return, but um, it was also directed by Enzo Castellari, and this one started uh, starred uh, Timothy Brent, um, who's a you know sort of an Italian character actor, and Fred Williamson returned as did uh, George Eastman, who's yeah. a, you know he's been an anthropologist and stuff like that. Yeah. But this one looks pretty bonkers too. It's also it starts Warriors of the Wasteland, aka New Barbarians. Well, that's the thing about. Italian post-apocalypse yeah. Mad Max ripoffs are all pretty bonkers. Yeah. So these three are being, they either are being or have been recently re-released by Blue Underground. What did you say that alternate title was on that one? New New uh, Barbarians. Oh, okay, New Barbarians. Yeah. Yeah. So they all look really good. And, uh, and um, I'm looking forward actually to watching these three again. Yeah, I keep... Another one that's an Italian one that I've heard is pretty outrageous that I've never seen, but I've always been curious about from the days I saw it in the old 
remember those old HBO video releases, like Thorn Emmy HBO, yeah. where they're in that white clamshell? Yeah. I, I remember always looking at the Exterminators from the year 3000 box <laughs> and being like, one day I'm going to watch that movie. <laughs> but now it's out on Blu-ray from Scream Factory, so I'm really, really considering picking it up because I've heard it's one of the craziest of the Italian post-apocalyptic movies. put that out? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It was supposed to be on a double feature with... Um, Cruel Jaws. Wow. But then there was, you know, Universal and no, you can't put out a Jaws ripoff as a double feature with Exterminators of Year 3000. So they had to pull it and release it by itself. Oh, I got to pick that one up. Because, yeah, this one looked really good, too. This was directed by uh, Giuliano Canamio. Anyway, he's he's directed. He's been kind of doing some... uh, Spaghetti Westerns, like Bullet for Stranger, and he did uh, a giallo that's quite famous called Case of the Bloody Iris. Um, and there's not a lot more else, much else to say about the cast. I mean, the girl, she was in Slugs, but I mean, not much else. But it, it was another one. And yeah, it looked pretty awesome. It looks be, pretty I'll crazy. From out. The I didn't know trailer. it was out on Blu-ray. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Oh yeah, and another one that another one that I haven't seen that I always hear. This is one that I I like to sometimes go to other movie sites and just, you know, look at their B movies and stuff like that. And this is one that pops up all the time as being like one of the best ones. It's a movie called land of doom from 1986. Yeah. And I always hear that this one is like top notch for the Italian. Well, this was filmed in Turkey. Is it Turkish? I think it might. Wow. Be. I don't, the director, I don't know him. Peter Maris. Oh, maybe Peter Maris. I know the name. It was shot in, in Turkey. Really? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the the lead actress is named Deborah Renard. She was in Lionheart with Van Damme. Well, maybe it's not Italian, she, but I uh, always hear about it. She's ended up getting married to Paul Haggis, the, the famous writer. But um, yeah, I did I did check that one out. That's and it's got that cover where yeah. there's like this guy. It's, it's like his hand yeah. is like metal or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like a metal kind yeah. of leathery glove hand that he's got. Yeah, and he's like kind of like a robotic hand. And it's a very famous cover, and I've. I, every time I, I come across these kind of lists of post-apocalyptic movies, it's very highly ranked <laughs> all the time. That's the thing. It's like when I started researching this, I realized there was a lot I hadn't seen that I totally want to check There's out. There's so many I haven't seen, but they're all just starting to come out on disc now. Yeah, right? which I is mean, good. Some of them have been out before, but it seems like there's been a resurgence. So it's probably due to Mad Max Fury well, what's Road. The, what's the one that you just sent me a link to? It's not an Italian one. It's a It's a... It's from the Philippines, but you sent me a link to the <laughs> Blu-ray cover, and I almost shit my pants. Yeah. It was uh, 1985's Wheels of Fire. Yep. Directed by Serial H. Santiago. Yeah. So we're Ooh. moving to the Philippines now. <laughs> Philippines. So if you definitely know B-movies from the 80s, you know Serial H. Santiago. He's a guy who was who Roger Corman... He was like Roger Corman's go-to guy for making these foreign clones of whatever was popular yeah. at the time and this guy made like 80 movies i think or Tons, something ridiculous yeah. like that in his and he career. was all over the place and he also made striker which is very similar to this striker like, looks epic wheels of fire is kind of a loose clone of striker i think okay so let's talk about wheels of fire first yeah so wheels of fire it stars um gary watkins who i don't remember seeing him in anything else. His name is Trace, and he's a guy who has to traverse a wasteland because his sister gets kidnapped by this group of thugs called the Scourge. <laughs> and they basically just go around kidnapping women t- to make them into their sex slaves. Right. And, you know, he's 
he doesn't want his sister to be no sex slave. Trace <laughs> don't Trace don't roll that way. So so he just goes and starts hunting him down. But he has the help of this really badass girl called Stinger, played mm-hmm. by Laura Banks, and she, also this kind of uh, little person, I guess. I'll call them. I like yeah. to call them midgets, but that's politically incorrect. <laughs> so they team up and they go after the Scourge. And uh, Vi- Vi- I think it's Vince Diaz is the main bad guy called the Scourge. He's a guy. If who's it's in- a Santiago movie. It's, he- his, it's Vic Diaz. Vic Diaz. <laughs> sorry. And he's um, he was in Raw Force as well. Yeah. And he's been in all these movies and he's just awesome. Yeah. He's just this guy who you know him the minute he's on screen. <laughs> he chews scenery like there's no tomorrow, but he's the best at doing he's it. He's awesome. And uh, it's just got all these like the same things you expect. It's got Trace jumping down with a rifle and shooting people. It's got them chasing him down on motorbikes. It's got people, ex- cars exploding. It's got this really chaotic finale set at this like old ripped down stone castle. That has cannons at it and everything. That's really right awesome. On. But it's really, it's also got this scene in the middle that makes absolutely no sense where they end up in this underground lair of these cannibal midgets who are wearing f- white fright wigs. It's awesome. the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in a post apocalyptic movie, but it really endears that movie to me. Wheels of Fire is like one of those ones where I just, I can put it on and just be like, yes. Yes, entertainment. Well, this is another one that, yeah, it just looks bonkers. It looks like Warriors of the Wasteland. Like, those are the two that look just so awesome to me. Um, I'll definitely be picking this one up. Um, Linda Linda Weissmeyer is in it as well. Yeah, she's she plays the sister. His sister. Yeah. Um, Andy Sedaris fans will probably know her from Malibu Express. She was the uh, large chested race car driver but um and i think she gets tied to a car topless she gets, in this movie or she gets tied to the front hood of a car <laughs> yeah like spread eagle yeah topless <laughs> driven down by the scourge towards their base <laughs> i don't know whatever happened to her but this looks great like code red's putting it out in the next few weeks i can't wait yeah and they're actually putting out a couple of other santiago titles as well um that are post-apocalyptic they're going to be putting out um the sisterhood which is AKA caged woman. And this one of all people, this, this is what a, like a post-apocalyptic Amazon tribe, but this stars, um, Lynn Holly Johnson. She was, was she in 21 jumps? She was in ice castles. Oh, ice castles and for your eyes only for your bond. Oh, okay. This is the wrong person. I'm thinking but of Holly Robinson. Then. Not who I could imagine in ice that. castles. That's like one of my mom's favorite <laughs> movies. I don't know what she's doing at a post apocalyptic at a Sirio Santiago post apocalyptic. She must movie. be hungry. Must have been. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it looked pretty cool after watching the trailer. I had actually never heard of it till I I've, saw that. I, had, I have heard of it. I didn't know it was coming out on yeah. Blu-ray. Though. So that's another Santiago one that uh, good old Code Red's putting out, and they're also putting out one called Equalizer Two Thousand. Oh yeah, with Richard Norton. Richard Norton, who was in Jim Cotta, and also love Richard yeah, Norton. Yeah, he played. Uh, he is so good. He's an Australian. Cynthia Rothrock's sidekick in a yeah. lot of movies. He like was in Rage and Honor with Cynthia yeah. Rothrock, and that's the first time I remember seeing Richard Norton. I was like, this guy is the best. Yeah. He's this really burly Australian dude who's like yeah. got this really sarcastic streak in him. Yeah, he's cool, but he's also like really badass. Like he could he could just come up to you and knock you out with one punch, which is. I was excited when I watched Road Warrior 2, or not Road Warrior 2, sorry, Roadhouse 2, because I was like, well, I don't get Patrick Swayze, and I don't get him being threatened to get raped in the ass, but at least I've got Richard Norton as one of the main bad guys. And then <laughs> was, I was Richard th- Norton in Roadhouse 2? Yeah. Who was he? He's the main bad guy. Was he? Yeah. And then I was disappointed because oh he didn't really get enough to do in it. 
But Richard Norton's awesome. I didn't mind Roadhouse too. Okay, and Roadhouse we also got, okay. We also got Corrine Wall, Ken Wall's wife. Okay. Former Playboy Playmate. She was in uh, Spring Break and our favorite movie, Hot T-Shirts. Oh, yeah. Hot T-Shirts. <laughs> Chuck Vincent Gem. Yeah. And My also... body is dripping wet. <laughs> <laughs> and also Robert Patrick's in this movie. So, Terminator 2. Yeah. So Santiago movie with those three. So uh, again... Um, uh, I'm sold on this one. Yeah. This and is like a, a Corman one too? Uh, I I guess so. I think it's new 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 Concord. It must be, yeah. yeah. But um, anyway, Code Red, good job, guys. Like they're putting out all three. Totally. Of these. I I've been trying to find out like special features and stuff. I haven't been able to find anything out. But all three of these are coming out in Blu-ray in the next few weeks. I think we should go back to Italy for one second because I just saw one that I have never seen. But this is one I've been seeking to see, and this is the one that's the most obvious Italian ripoff of Mad Max, even from the title down. It's a movie called A Man Called Rage. Have you ever heard of that one? No, I don't have From this 1984? One. No. If you're going to make a ripoff of Mad Max, let's do another word for being mad in the title. <laughs> a Man Called Rage. <laughs> Might as well just call it like Rage Max or some fucking shit. Wow. I, I watched a trailer for this, and if if anyone knows, has a line on a, where I can get a copy of this movie, let me know. Do we know the director who's in it? I didn't really do much research after watching that trailer because I was too busy going, oh my God, must see. I wonder if it's like a weird AKA title. We'll have to look it up. I don't know. I've got, I, I'm going to look it up right now while you talk about the next movie. Okay. Well, well, yeah, I'll talk about it. I'll bring up a few more Italian ones. Um, we've got 2019 after the fall of New York. Um, this was directed by uh, Sergio Martino, who um, brought us Mountain of the Cannibal God and Torso. Um, I know this one came out from, I think, uh, Shriek Show a number of years ago. But, um, yeah, it looked pretty fun as well. Um, Michael Sopko and uh, Valentine Mornrier. Sorry. You're butchering the names. Yeah, I butchered that one. I mean, well, it's too much of this blackberry beer. But um, they were both in Devilfish. But, uh, yeah, just it, this one looked pretty typical. There was nothing too exciting about it to me, um, but I haven't seen it. Um, I do have the DVD somewhere, but uh, that's another one from, from Italy. Um, there was also uh, Warrior of the Lost World, um, directed by David Wirth, who did uh, Kickboxer and Lady Dragon. And this one stars uh, good old Robert Ginty. Oh, the Gintmeister. The exterminator himself. Um, also with Donald Pleasance, Fred Williamson, and Persis Kambata. She was the bald chick from uh, Star Trek, the motion okay. picture. If you have those three people in the movie, yeah, I think I might want to see it. Yeah, I mean, it, it really did look pretty cool to me, and um, I'd like to check that out. Um, Rats and Nights of Terror. Um, I, think... I didn't really include that because it's a horror movie. Really? I mean, it was, it's definitely post-apocalyptic. It is, but... It's got all the tropes we're talking about with gangs and well it does but i wasteland. just didn't i just didn't include it because it's about giant rats eating them well there there you go i mentioned it but that's all we're gonna do with that one um i think that's pretty much all i've got for the italian stuff uh oh there's one more interzone from uh 1987 i have no idea what this is so <laughs> this one's uh co-written by claudio fracasso <laughs> Oh, my my buddy. <laughs> Claudio Fergazzo. Sorry if you didn't hear that. Our buddy from Troll 2. Yeah. Um, and this is directed by Darren Serafian. Um, now, Darren Serafian is... Didn't he make Alien Predators? 
I'm not sure. He's got a name for himself right now as a TV director. Yep. But I know Darren Sarifian because he was one of the stars of Zombie 3. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he directed this movie starring Bruce Abbott. Um, and he also brought along uh, Beatrice Ring from Zombie 3 and Tegan Clive. And uh, Fred Ray fans will know Tegan Clive because she played the alienator. Oh. Yeah. And she was like this kind of almost muscle. She's like a bodybuilder. Bodybuilder chick. Yeah. yeah. So she's in this too. And uh, it was pretty hard to find any information about this one. But it, it has Bruce Abbott in it, um, 1987. So it's pretty close to... Uh, Bride a reanimator and reanimator. So yep. it was kind of when Bruce Abbott had a bit of a name for himself. Do you know I'm going to tie back into Roadhouse for the next movie real quick? Okay. Only because you never thought you'd see Patrick Swayze in a Mad Max post apocalyptic <laughs> ripoff, <laughs> would you? Yeah. And it's a little movie that we call Steel Dawn from yep. 1987. And this is this is one where the the rare resource is water. Now he plays this really. Like he's kind of he's a he's a hero, but he's like a muscle bound hero. He's really good with a sword, which you'll see during one of the barroom brawls in the movie. But he also sports one sweet ass headband and a friggin' <laughs> mullet, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, uh, the movie co-stars um, Lisa Remney, who is his was his wife in real life. Okay, and it also ha- the main villains Lisa played- Niemi Niemi yeah, Niemi, yeah. and uh, the main villains played by Anthony Zerb. Who we mentioned? Oh, my buddy! We, yeah. In our Mad Scientist episode. Yep, and he'll be mentioned in another movie because he was in uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park as yep. the main bad guy. <laughs> and what I like about Steel Dawn is I don't think it's a great movie because it's got it's got all the Mad Max stuff in it. It's got sword fights. It's got these Jawa these baddies who are kind of like Star Wars Jawas because they they come out of the sand like they're hidden in the sand right, and yeah. then they pop out of the sand. And then it's got. He rides on this kind of... It's kind of like a glider kind of vehicle, but it's got blades on the wheels, the hubs. Okay. So they're like ramming each other with the blades. And uh, yeah, it's entertaining. And it was directed by Lance Houle, who I mostly know from directing uh, Missing in Action 2, the beginning. Right. Which will always hold a place in my heart for having Chuck Norris getting a bag filled with live rats put over his face. Oh, is that Missing in Action 2? And having him chew these rats to death. Nice. Awesome. I remember that. Yeah, that was pretty wicked. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just hard for me to like look at a movie like 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 Steel Dawn. Yeah. After looking at all the crazy shit that's happening in the Santiago movies and I the know. Italians, right? I know. Like they look like where with the post apocalyptic stuff. That's that looks like where it's at. It's the Italians and the and the and then Santiago. No, but there's two really weird American post apocalyptic movies. Well, wait, let's just finish up with the, the other guys. Same guy, but we'll go to those after. Let's let's just get Striker out of the way. Okay, <laughs> then we'll go back. So Striker is another Santiago movie. So we went off, sort of jumped around a bit. Wheels of Fire is kind of a loose remake of Striker. Yeah. So Striker looks pretty awesome. So it um, stars St- Steve Sandor. Um, don't really have a lot on this guy. He was in Tiffany's Kids with the, uh, uh, sorry, Bonnie's Kids with Tiffany Balling, um, which looks like kind of a like bad girls, uh, girls gone bad movie. It also stars um, Buddy Repperton from, uh, or sorry, William Ostrander, who was Buddy Repperton and Christine. Okay. And we all know Buddy Repperton is uh, one of the great movie villains. Cunningham. <laughs> That guy <laughs> didn't really have a long career, but I knew wow. I'd make you laugh if I did that. <laughs> what an impression! <laughs> I so need to watch Christine again. <laughs> but this one, um, 
the the thing about Striker is it had a, it had a uh, group of Amazon warriors. So this was a recurring theme in post apocalyptic as well. And in Santiago movies, yeah, with with Amazons. But I thought this looks this looks awesome too. And I haven't seen this. So I've always wanted. I've seen. I've seen it when I was younger. I, yeah, I me too. On TV, forever. I yeah. saw bits and pieces of it on TV, but I've never actually seen like enough to remember it. I just remember that another sweet hand painted cover. Of oh, him, yeah. like, on the video box in this, like, action pose yeah. with knives and stuff. I just wish I could, like, you know, I just, I'm just so much of a purist. Like, I really do feel like when movies do get released on, on Blu-ray and stuff, we should get excited. Like, I could be lazy-ass and go watch this on YouTube. Like, a lot of these are on YouTube. I won't, I won't do it. But I just, I just don't want to, right? Like, I'd rather just wait and hopefully, like, Code Red or Blue Underground or one of these guys will pick it up, do it right. You well, know, we know that there's a chance of this happening since Scream put out Exterminators of the Year 3000 on Blu-ray. And we have six awesome movies coming out, either already out or in the next few weeks. And I mean, you never know, Kino Lorber might step in and get some of them too. Yeah. Because they're really stepping up to the plate. They sure are. Yeah. So I think I want to talk about, I'm kind of like done with the foreign ones. Are you done with the foreign ones? Um, I just thought I'd give a quick mention to The Last Battle from 1983. This is Luc Besson's, one of his first movies. Okay. But it's post-apocalyptic. But this is more getting into the whole, like, Last Man on Earth type thing, which I think we should just save till the end. Yeah. So maybe I'll pop back to that one. Um, yeah, I think I've covered most of the foreign... Yeah, we've covered most of the foreign stuff that I want to talk about. Okay, well, I'd like to quickly mention a guy called Donald G. Jackson... Okay, yeah. He's Good. he's known for well, he's he's no longer with us, so rest in peace, but he made some really bizarre movies in his career. Um the ones I mostly remember is in 1986 he made a movie called Rollerblade, which is a total yeah. post-apocalyptic movie. It's got an evil hand puppet. <laughs> it's got nuns on roller skates These with terrible, bad. It's got it's 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 got happy, smiling faces all the time. There was four sequels to this fucking movie, and I don't know how it happened. Yeah, like they were like what the Rollerblade Warriors, Rollerblade Roller Seven. Seven. Oh, but this was the the sequels he made later with were with a guy called Scott Shaw who co-starred in these movies, and they made this movement called Zen filmmaking. I know, which is basically like we're gonna get a bunch of people together, we're gonna shoot a movie, but we're not gonna have a script. Yeah, we're just going to fucking go for it. We're going to wing it. Yeah. And that's basically what Zen filmmaking was supposed to be. No script. Let's make a movie. You get a guy like Joe Estevez, who I wouldn't imagine has much of an imagination to be in a movie. It's not going to turn out too well. No. Um, The other movie he made that I think is definitely worth seeking out and definitely worth mentioning is a movie called Hell Comes to Frogtown, starring the man, Rowdy Roddy Piper. This was his first starring role. He stars as Sam Hell, which is like the best name for a hero after Mad Max, I think. And after Snake Plissken. Well, yeah, Snake Plissken. <laughs> but Sam Hell's a pretty cool it's pretty cool hero yeah. name. And it's uh basic story of this is that he's the last virile man on earth. Like he's right. he's there to knock up some ladies. Yeah. But first he's gotta save those ladies. And what's he gotta save those ladies from? A bunch of mutant frog monsters. <laughs> So I've never seen this. movie. This is what he goes and he does. He goes and saves 
girls from these frogs who are holding them captive to hope to breed with them. There's a scene in it. I don't remember. I think it's called Dance of the Three Serpents <laughs> where they get a human girl to dance provocatively for them while their three toad penises twitch under their robe. Really? Yeah. In like a to the beat of the song or something. <laughs> All the 80s. It's got Roddy Piper being almost as good as he is in They Live for different reasons. Yeah. And it's got Santa Hall Bergman from Conan the Barbarian yeah. as his like kind of badass female sidekick. They made a sequel in 1993. It's not worth watching. But if you want to see... Jill uh, Kelly's in the sequel, though. Ish, yeah, okay. If you yeah. want to see a highly entertaining 80s post-apocalypse movie that's so bizarre that you can't believe you're watching it, Hell Comes Frog Town. Definitely. Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. Definitely. Yeah, right on. Cool. So, I'm I'm not throwing. I was I was looking at you. I'm like, that was like a holy. Okay. Um. <laughs> so Rollerblade. Um. The only other thing I want to mention about the Rollerblade movies is the only is that they suck. I just yeah. I kind of looked through them. The only one that looked of any interest to me is Rollerblade Warriors Taken by Force. That has Elizabeth Caton in it. Elizabeth Caton and Kathleen Kinmont from yeah. Halloween. 4. I've seen I've seen the first three. And uh, yeah. The second one's actually a more com- the one you're talking about is actually a more competent movie than Rollerblade. Yeah, the original. But the f- original is one of those movies that was put out by New World Video. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's yeah. got a cover of a guy in like a devil-looking mask on roller skates with these girls kneeling by his side in roller skates that made me rent oh, it. Oh, I know that. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is the most crazy movie I've ever seen. It makes no sense, but it's just so instantly watchable if you manage to get a bunch of guys together or a bunch of like B-movie fans together. Well, I'm getting pretty good and loosened up right now so maybe we can watch it <laughs> one more one more two more post-apocalyptic ones that are kind of tied into mad max i want to quickly mention before you move on is a movie called world gone wild from 1988 don't know it. and this is one where water is scarce again the only reason i'm mentioning this is just because it's a ragtag group again fighting off raiders but the cast in this movie is impressive as hell because it's got bruce dern in it Okay. It has um, Adam Ant, who's better Weird. known as a British singer for Stand and Deliver and Goody Two Shoes and things like that. Mm-hmm. He did have a brief kick at the can at acting. Um, Michael Perry, oh, okay. who we talked about a little bit earlier, and Catherine Mary Stewart. Oh, wow. So it's okay. got a pretty kick-ass cast for this type of movie. I have not seen it in a long time. I remember it. W- I found it kind of boring. Okay. So take from that what you will. And the only other movie I wanted to mention, because I think it deserves being mentioned in this category, is Cyborg, starring Jean-Claude yeah, Van Damme. Yeah, that might come up, yeah. Um, this one's notable for two reasons. It's directed by Albert Pune, who, after Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski, I think was like the busiest guy movie director yeah. in the 80s and 90s. His movies weren't exactly high quality all the time, but I did was entertained by a good majority of them. And this is Van Damme trying to save a cyborg girl who has, like, information, but he has to take on a gang. And there's a lot of pretty cool action sequences. And the baddies played by Vincent Klin. And the main thing I remember about him is that he wears a chainmail vest, wraparound shades, slicked back ponytailed hair, and he can't, and his English is terrible. Like, almost as bad as Van Damme's English. So he looks like me. 
Yeah, kind of. Sounds like me. Kind of. <laughs> it, but it's 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 interesting because this movie was originally it's kind of cobbled together by Canon from leftover sets and costumes from their kicks. At the, they were trying to do a Masters of the Universe sequel that didn't pan out, and they were trying to make a Spider-Man movie that didn't pan out. So they kind of used props and costumes from those two failed movies to make Cyborg. Wow. So it's definitely worth mentioning just for that fact alone. So is was Angelina Jolie in this She was one? in Cyborg 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's three Cyborg movies. That was her first movie or something. I think it was like her debut movie. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Cyborg. Didn't think you'd hear Cyborg today, did well, you? Well, I did. I, I, I was on the fence what, what I should do with Cyborg. Um <laughs> Okay, so um, yeah, I, I also wanted to bring up Death Sport just because I yeah, I do have a a hate on love hate relationship with this one. I love it because it was directed by Alan Arkish, who um, I find always makes entertaining Hollywood movies. Boulevard and uh, Rock and Roll, Rock and Roll High, School. High School. Um, but I did find it to be kind of boring. So it was co-directed by Arkish. It was um the other director was Nicholas Nisifor. I don't really know who he no. is, um, but this one stars Richard Lynch. David Carradine and Claudia Jennings, and it's kind of a loose, well, a very loose sequel. In name sequel to Death Race Two Thousand, but I think Death Race Two Thousand we should save for like a car episode or yeah. something. Yeah. But um, J- uh, Jennings and uh, Carradine, um, it pretty much is they they end up in a prison together and they end up busting out of the prison and they have to participate in this death sport which is like super lame and it's pretty much them just riding around on motorcycles blowing things up um it's not very fun um um, and it's just kind of a letdown but it does it's definitely a post-apocalyptic movie because it takes place in that time frame but it's just everything's kind of meh uh, <laughs> Meh. But, you know, Claudia Jennings wasn't in a lot of movies, so if you're a fan of hers, this is, you know, I mean, you, you probably want to check it out. It also has a very early appearance by Linnea Quigley, famous scream queen, but she has a very small role as, like, a kind of a prostitute uh, who's, like, in, just in, a, in the side of one scene. And it's also... Um, got mutants wearing these like um eggshell eye things every time i think of uh claudia jennings i just think of gator bait anyway gator bait and unholy rollers is yeah. what i think of but yeah. she was in this too she only made a few movies truck stop women but i think she made a handful of movies but she was a star of this one she had nude scenes in it so if you're a fan of hers it's it's worth checking out for her but that's right. pretty much as far as i'd go on this one Okay. Um, another one um, with Amazons that um, hasn't come up yet is uh, Phoenix the Warrior from 1988. I've never seen this. I've always been kind of curious about it because yeah. it looks pretty terrible. Yeah, it, it also came out as She-Wolves of the Wasteland. Um, but again, Persis Kambata from the uh, Star Trek movie, she's the star. Um, she was, again, the bald chick in the first Star Trek movie. Um, Kathleen Kinmont from Halloween 4 Returns. And Peggy McIntaggart. Um she was a Playboy playmate. She was also the lead in uh, David Dakota's uh, Lady Avenger. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that I one. am. I, I've always been wanting to see that. I haven't yeah, yet. It's not bad. But again, dune buggies, explosions, mutants, the same old thing, Amazons. So um, this this looked pretty pretty good. But uh, it's, it seems like, yeah, it seems like a good majority of these are all the same formula. Yeah, I mean, I think if I if I if I had to choose, I'd be sticking with like the Castellari ones or the yeah. uh, Santiago ones or yeah. or that uh, 
Martino win this 2019 after the fall of New York. Well, I actually think that uh, I should bring up the movie that I say is the closest successor to George Miller's Mad Max series. And that's uh, Doomsday. Right. From 2008, directed by Neil Marshall. Yeah. Who made The Descent, Dog Soldiers, um, Black Death. Yeah. Oh, no, he didn't make Black Death. Sorry. Centurion. Sorry, Centurion. Black Death is uh, Christopher Chris Smith. Smith, yeah. Um, but this one is the one that... It's inspired by Escape from New York, but it's also inspired by Mad Max. This is the one that I found captured the spirit of George Miller's Mad Max movies the best out of all these movies. I don't find it to be a ripoff. I found it more so to be a homage. And uh, it's got all the crazy car action in it. It's got Rona Mitra as the as the hero heroine. <laughs> and she has a cybernetic eye that she can like take out of her head and roll to look around corners and stuff like that. Why didn't Rona Mitra become a I have no star? idea because she's really good in that movie. And she, there's yeah. you know there's sword battles with like this kind of punk rock tattooed girl with like oh yeah and she's stuff. Cool. the bad guys are cannibals who the first appearance of the leader of the cannibals is he comes strutting onto stage to good thing by faith by oh, fine yeah. young cannibals which is like one of my absolute favorite moments of the entire movie there's a gimp who's strapped to a car in it it's just got all this cool stuff going on it's over the top like the mad max movies but it's it doesn't feel cheap like a lot of these ripoffs, I found it do. kind of lost steam when they like got to Malcolm McDowell, though. It it does lose a little bit of steam, but I found it's the one that's um, the most spiritual successor to what George Miller was doing at the time, at least until Fury Road came along. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed Doomsday, but it's just not one I've really had a rewatch desire for. But um, maybe I'll check it. I've out I've seen again. about three times. Yeah, is yeah. it is it good? It's still it's still entertaining every time. Right on. Yeah, cool. Um. Great. Well, um, I, I thought Dread kind of had had it too, but um, I I don't. I think that might fit more into the Escape yeah, from I New would, York. I wouldn't say Dread really fits in here. Yeah. Um. All right. So a few more to come up. Um, Dead End Drive-In from 1986, Australia, yeah. directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. Um. So this one uh, has this uh, guy and this girl. They're like pretty much out on this date, and they end up in this drive-in, which turns into which is pretty much a concentration camp for like punk rockers and things like that. And it's just them trying to get out of it. Um, not a super good movie. I used to love it when I was younger. Did you really? I haven't seen it for a long time though. Really? You loved it when you were younger? I did love it when I was younger. I thought it was kind of boring. Um, I, I remember loving it. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just remember the cover where it had kind of this, like this guy that kind of looked like Adam Ant actually. Yeah. Um, just kind of staring off and then the drive-in symbol in yeah. the background. But yeah. I've seen it a few times. It's, it's not bad. Brian Trenchard Smith's usually pretty well, reliable. Unless he's making leprechaun movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one is Damnation Alley. Yeah. Um, this is an American film from 1977. So this is predating Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. And is it, it's predating Mad Max. Yep. So this is maybe kind of the original post post apocalyptic movie. It's it's yeah, maybe. Now, again, not too good. Not too good these at all. days. Yeah. No. Um I do remember it being kind of cool at the time. I remember seeing it on TV when I was really young and there's a scene in it with these giant scorpions that I thought was yeah, the yeah, best thing in the yeah. world. Yeah, so this is directed by Jack Smite, who uh, gave us Airport 75 and uh, Frankenstein, The True Story, which I talked about on the last episode. Right, right. Um, Stars Jan Michael Vincent, George Pappard, Paul Winfield, and Jackie Earl Haley. 
Oh, as a Jack child. Carroll Haley. Yeah, so kind of hard. Bears. Yeah. And unfortunately, Freddie in the remake. Yeah. But kind of hard to hate this cast. Yeah. And um, it did have, yeah, it had this giant cockroach scene. Or there were cock, no, I don't know if they were giant, but there was a lot of cockroach there scorpions, action. though, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just remember the like, vehicle from this movie. They had yeah. this, like, souped up kind of motorhome yeah. um, that was traveling the wasteland. And it's funny, when I was a kid, I remember the first time I ever went to Universal Studios when we were on that tram tour that goes around the studio. The, um, uh, the vehicle from Damnation Alley was there, and I remember seeing it. That was that was pretty cool. You're like, I love that movie. <laughs> I I don't know. It really made that seeing that vehicle really made an impression. Like, I don't know if I saw the movie on TV or if or what the deal was, but I I clearly remember going by that vehicle on the tram at Universal. That, that's one of those movies where I totally bought it on Blu-ray when it came out. I'm too scared to watch it. I bought the Blu-ray too, and I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid that my childhood memories are going to be soiled. Oh, dude, I've, I've tried a few times. I'm like... I actually was gonna watch it with a friend. And I'm like, "Oh, dude, let's just check out the trailer. You'll love it, man." It's <laughs> we're watching the trailer. I'm like, "Oh, fuck!" I uh, changed which, my mind. I can't watch this. <laughs> Another one from predates Mad Max that I wrote down that I just think I'll bring up real quick is a movie from 1975 called A Boy and His Dog. The Don Johnson the one. Don, yeah. yeah, Don Johnson stars as a 17 year old teenager who he's friends with a telepathic dog called Blood. <laughs> <laughs> who has the ability to find female mates for him so he can basically go and rape them. <laughs> and uh, there's also glowing green mutants creatures in it. And it's got this underground town that's like not stepped out of the 1950s. So it's totally like leave it to beaver down there and everything. It's one of the weirdest post-apocalyptic movies I've ever seen. It's based on a Harlan Ellison story or novel which explains why it's weird but yeah if you can i think it's out on blu-ray from shout factory it's definitely worth checking out just because it's the most bizarre movie i think i wrote down so just like just i just want to make a little call back to eric caden right now because yeah. he'd know all about all this shit you know and it's just you know a lot of the it just really <laughs> some of the some of the plots that we've been doing tonight yeah. have been pretty pretty out there right yeah and they just don't make movies like this anymore. No, they never will. Like, you just... This is an era that is gone, but thank God there are people preserving it. 70s and 80s, <laughs> there's going to be like... I don't know how they got away with half the shit they did. Like, uh, like he basically the had his dog. Like, he basically had a dog who had telepathy, <laughs> who could sense breedable women so that he could go and rape them. I know. Like... That's not going to fly in this PC world. I shouldn't be laughing about rape, but God You shouldn't be, but... And another one I just want to quickly mention, and this is the last one I have written down, and then I'll throw the the reins to you because you have quite a few, is um, this one's one of the ones that I wrote down simply because I find it to be one of the more interesting of the post-apocalyptic movies. It's a movie from 1989 called The Blood of Heroes. Okay. It stars Rutger Hauer and Joan Chen. And what this is, it's about a, a sport of the future called jugging. And this is a team, these jugging teams, they travel. Does it involve boobs? No. <laughs> it's this team, they travel town to town to be in these jugging matches. And what jugging matches, it's kind of like a violent fight. Like it's it's two teams, they face off, and the goal is to get 
this dog's skull on the opposing team's goal, which is a stake in the ground. And there's one guy who's a jugger who has to carry it kind of like in football, and everyone else just beats the shit out of each other so he can try and put this skull on this spike. And what's interesting about that movie is it's a gritty movie. It's dirty. It's got Rutger Hauer plus right there. It's written and directed by David Peoples, who wrote Blade Runner. He wrote Leviathan. He wrote wow. 12 Monkeys. He won an Oscar for Unforgiven. But he made this post-apocalyptic movie with this weird, bizarre sport in it called jugging. And what makes it even more bizarre is that people have taken the sport from this movie and do it in real life. Oh, my God. With like a paper mache kind of dog skull. Really? Who does yeah. it? It's mostly done in like Australia or something. It's it, I Look it up on Wikipedia. It's fascinating. Wow. It's called jugging. And it's actually been made into a sport. It's like those fucking people who went and made like quidditch into a sport on college campuses <laughs> they made jugging into a real thing <laughs> and this is a 1989 post-apocalyptic movie that i thought nobody had seen but wow me. that's amazing so i just thought i'd bring that up simply because the talent involved in making it with david peoples yeah and the fact that people have taken this movie and made a sport out of something that's so ridiculous is awesome that is awesome wow <laughs> All right, so um, I'm just going to bring up a few extras here um, just because we're running, well, we're definitely over time. But I hope you're still with us, peeps. Um, peeps. Okay, so um, uh, Splatter Architect's Fear. Yeah. Um, just wanted to bring it up because it's got mutants in it. It's got, uh, so this is kind of a behind the scenes on how to make a movie. Yeah, I remember renting it when I was yeah. a kid and being confused. But yeah, the movie they're making is a post-apocalyptic movie. Yep. But uh, and then it like it will show a scene from the movie, then it will show how they did the effects, or it might be vice versa, something like that. So anyway, I I've always had a special place in my heart for this movie, mostly because they hired Toronto strippers to play the Amazon. Well, you also like it because there's a vertical <laughs> smile in it. There is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when this uh, stripper, a.k.a. actress, um, is going to uh, make love to this mutant, and then uh, he... Uh, oh, yeah. What it, what happens? She uh, she has sex with this mutant, and then his head explodes. <laughs> and then she steps back, and she's like, I fucked his brains out. <laughs> she gives him a vertical smile. But apparently it took her 20 takes to get that line. <laughs> Well, she is a stripper. Anyway, I've always loved that. And I'm pretty sure she's not working her way through college. No. Anyway, I've always loved Splatter Architect's Fear. It it has had a DVD release, but it's out of print now, unfortunately. I went to buy it last night, and I couldn't. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, You really are on the shopping spree if you want to buy Splatter. I really am. Um, Tank Girl, I thought we should bring that up. Um, I really loved Tank Girl at the time when it came out in 1995. the, The creators of the comic that it's based on have openly admitted that they're inspired by road warrior yeah yeah so um that's definitely one um i doesn't have ice tea as like a kangaroo guy in it yeah i don't think this holds up no it doesn't i didn't even like it when it first came out yeah i did i was into tanker when it first came out but i don't think i like the comics i I don't think yeah i don't think i'd like it now um it was one of naomi watts's first movies so she was awesome she was kind of the sidekick and malcolm mcdowell of course um what else we got here? Um, I Waterworld. Yeah, um, I was going to bring up Waterworld, but then I was like, I've never seen it because I don't want to. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it it does kind of have that like Mad Max flair I don't on see, water. I don't want to see Kevin Costner drink his own piss. You've never seen Waterworld? I've never seen Waterworld. Yeah, it's... Um, 
I, I was disappointed for sure. Dennis Hopper is a bad guy. I thought was a would be Dennis an instant, Hopper's great. Would be an instant win, but I just don't want to sit through two hours and fifteen minutes yes, of that. It's way too long. It would have been good as a ninety minute movie. And yeah, if they if they it's, cut all the fat, trimmed it down, had just I think it's worth mentioning in the sense that it was a big studio movie with a big budget behind it, but it looked like these Italian movies we were talking about earlier. Yeah, well, huge Mad Max influence on the production design and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I didn't feel. I felt like we sh- we had to kind of bring it up, um, and then um, yeah, I just just want to briefly go over just a few of the end of the world movies because I don't really know what else, what other podcasts we put them in, right? Um, so that there there's only two I want to bring up. Um, so one is um, actually it's three I want to bring up. One is called The Quiet Earth. Make your mind up. Three. I'm going to bring up three. <laughs> The Quiet Earth from 1985. Um, this is a New Zealand movie. Um, so it stars Bruno Lawrence, who was in um, the aforementioned Battle Truck. Battle um, Truck. As a sidekick. But this one, he's the... Uh, Did you say 85? Yeah. He's okay. the lead actor. Um, and it's pretty much him. He wakes up. He's a scientist. And he wakes up and, like, everyone's gone. And I find this to be quite a terrifying theme. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. He just wakes up and all the people are gone. There's no one... I've seen the... I've seen the the artwork for this it's yeah. just like a guy standing on this big moon behind him or something right yeah the artwork yeah I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the artwork yeah but um so he wakes up and uh pretty much spends the first half of the movie just walking around by himself and slowly kind of going mad because there's no other people so did 28 days later rip this off then i would say well, the first little bit, yeah, yeah, okay. it is. It is a fairly common theme in in a few movies, yeah. Um, but this guy, I thought, did a, did an excellent job. I mean, he really carried the movie by himself for forty minutes, um, and then then he does end up spoiler alert, but whatever, he ends up finding a few other people, and it's just about the dynamics between him and this other guy and this woman, and um, that's a great movie, great movie. Um, can't remember who put it out. I think it was. Uh, subversive or one of those one of those labels that it's no longer around actually yeah, I, I have no idea i got a steel tin of it um, anyway it's a cool movie uh directed by jeff murphy who went on to do like under siege 2 and young yep. guns 2 yeah and um the ad was lee tamahari who did a great movie called uh, once were warriors yeah, that's a good movie and um also and then went on to do the edge with anthony hopkins which is supposed to be a really kick-ass yeah, it's, it's movie not i've bad. not seen it yeah and then, unfortunately, the worst Bond movie ever made, Die Another Day. <laughs> um, so another one of these sort of... big words. <laughs> another one of these end-of-the-world movies is The Omega Man. So this is a take on Richard Matheson's I Am Legend, which, which is, is... the best yeah. post-apocalypse story ever written. Possibly my favorite novel, novel ever written, too. Wow. It's more of a... Novella. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. It's I'm I'm pretty. I'm probably with you on that. It's like definitely one of the biggest classics. I love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Can't get enough of them. I've you know I've read it a few times. I love it every time. Um, but the original version of this was called The Last Man on Earth. It was more of a vampire movie, and then there was the Will Smith Smith Will Smith remake, um, called I Am Legend, which was also kind of vampire-y. But in 1971, there was a Charlton Heston version called The Omega Man um, that was, wasn't was a vampire movie. So, again, like a lot of this movie has Heston walking around a deserted Los Angeles um, because he's really kind of one of the last normal humans around. And I just find these, these themes of desolation to be quite fascinating and just seeing guys driving around and... 
abandoned cities and stuff. Like Walking Dead kind of has this too, well, right? Well, that's, that's but, I mean, you brought up I Am Legend with Will Smith. And I found that that part of that movie too was the most effective thing. And then once they started trotting out the effects and everything, yeah. it, it, it shit the bed. Totally did. Yeah. Um, this one, I, yeah, just I, I like this one because it comes from the era that I love. And I was a huge Heston fan at the time. Um, our buddy Anthony Zerb is on in this as oh, well. Yeah. So he's so Heston is holed up in this apartment, but there's there is these uh, there is other people around, but they're kind of mutants that have a sensitivity to light, so they can only come out at nighttime. So they're kind of like vampires, but they're not like biting people's necks and stuff. They're not drinking blood. They just they're kind of albino and they can't deal with the sun or bright lights. So it's it's really cool, and a lot of it's Heston just sort of. Playing with himself while playing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, he's not playing with himself. But he's like having to carry the movie by himself. Like there's a famous scene where he's watching Woodstock in an old theater. Charlton Heston, he's got his cock in one hand and a rifle in the other. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Woodstock scene's quite effective. And uh, there's also a scene where he's playing chess by himself. And, you know, he's tr- still trying to go through rituals. Does he still- checkmate himself? I can't remember, but he's still trying to keep his humanity as this like kind of last man on earth. Um, eventually, he does um, meet up with some other people, um, namely uh, Rosalind Cash from Doctor Black, Mister Hyde, and Paul Coslow, who was a uh, he's he was a really cool guy in this movie. He rode a motorbike and um, one of these guys you've seen a lot of seventies movies, but he never really had a movie of his own. He was in like Vanishing Point and Mister Majestic and stuff like that, but. Um, yeah, really, really uh, quite a quite a good movie. I've not actually seen it. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend I it. I have it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I mean... It's another I, one of those, being a collector, I like to buy movies and never watch them. I wish they'd do it right, though. Like, I know that Blu-ray is kind of bare bones. And yeah. I, it's one of those ones I wish that someone would do a proper release of this. Um, um, so it was directed by Boris Sagal, who's Katie Sagal's dad. Who famous from uh, Married with Children and Sons of Anarchy now? Yeah, and he actually this is a weird story. He died um, a tragic death um, when he um, walked into the rear blade of a helicopter. How do you do that at the Timberline Lodge in Mount Hood, which is the 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 uh, hotel from The Shining? Wow. Yeah, pretty weird. I don't know. He apparently got out of the helicopter and walked the wrong way, wasn't paying attention. Dead. Wow. Down to the dead up in this bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the last movie I'd like to mention is, um, this is one I actually just found out about when researching this podcast, but looked really good. It's called The World, The Flesh, and The Devil. And just because I'm a fan of these um, kind of last people on Earth type I'm a movies. fan of the world. I'm a fan of flesh, and I'm a fan of the devil. Have you heard of this one? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, it's got so, a wicked title, though. Yeah, so the same type of... Um, so this is an earlier one. This is from the 50s, 1959, I believe. Um, but starring Harry Belafonte, Mel Ferrer, who is in... A, he's been in a lot of horror movies in, later in his yeah, career. Yeah, Mel Ferrer. And uh, Inger Stevens. Um, she was in Hang 'em High and stuff like that. But again, same thing. Like, it's these three people. They're at, like, a tropical resort. Wake up, boom, everyone's gone. So it's just two guys and a girl and just how they interact. And I haven't seen it, but it looked quite fascinating. Now, is this movie available? I don't know. Hmm. I just... I, I 
don't even it was like at the very end of my research i stumbled across this trailer i'm like what the hell is this and looks super cool so i just mm. thought i'd share that with people but who knows but a harry elephant he's pretty pretty uh, reliable dude so i'm i'm sure it's a good movie so yeah but that's uh that's, that's it. it holy crap i think this is our longest episode and i thought it would be one of our shortest <laughs> well you know <laughs> when those italians are out there in the post-apocalypse <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> But anyway, I think we we're rambling on about the L.A. Beast a little long, too. <laughs> well, it's understandable. <laughs> I, you know, any guy who's going to, like, drink a gallon of hot sauce and do the robot in the middle of it is okay by me. One of, one of the videos, too, he's like, oh, this is worse than the time when I drank three gallons of olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> I can't, I can't even talk right now. <laughs> Hopefully you guys have found some post-apocalyptic love of your own. Uh, if we missed anything you think we might dig, head on over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash GBW podcast. Oh, yeah. That's thing. Yeah, we really need to find We someone. should do a PSA. Yeah, we... Um, Twitter, at GBW podcast, and web... www.thevideograveyard.com slash GBW podcast. Hell yeah. (laughs) And as my spiel goes at the end of every episode, please subscribe to us on (sighs) iTunes if you dig what you're listening to. Thanks for not doing that, everyone. We really appreciate it. Shut up. And give us us a rating and a review if you can. Every little bit helps. Yeah, because it's certainly been helping. Man, your self-deprecation is sometimes a bummer. I'm going to throw you out into a wasteland <laughs> Look, and make just, you scratch for one. If people could just do this, please, because at least we can get a rating then. <laughs> We'd really appreciate God, it. God, you're a crybaby. <laughs> anyway, apart from Josh's negativity, hopefully you've liked what you've heard. And uh, until next time, my name is Chris, and with me is negative Nancy Josh over there. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next time, because I think I'm going to go make him chug a gallon of hot sauce so he can get the stick out of his ass. <laughs> Okay, bye, everyone. Bye.